0: hello i'm eagle eagle gardens
1: eagle gardens one on instagram and this is fucking talking shit with eagle episode 385 i hopefully you guys have had a great thursday i have one heck of amazing guest with us tonight we have jason from dark horse genetics how you doing my friend you want to tell everybody uh how you're doing and of course where they can't find you in case they're under a rock yeah, well, uh, thanks for having
2: me on, man. I really appreciate it, uh, Jason from Dark Horse Genetics. Um, uh, dark Instagram, Dark Horse Genetics, just one word, or darkhorsegenetics.com. But um, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, a little bit worn out from 4:20. We had a shit ton of orders come through, so been a few long nights here. A little bit worn down, but uh, happy to happy to be on the show and talk some shit.
1: Yeah, 420, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it was an amazing day for you. Of course, it is kind of a stoner holiday. Everybody has cannabis on the mind, and uh, huh? I'm glad it worked out very well for you.
2: I call it the Super Bowl of, of 420, or 420 is the breeder Super Bowl. It's definitely the busiest day of the year. Every breeder has their biggest day, and uh, the following week is the busiest times for those guys once a year. But yeah, it's a good old 420.
1: <clears throat> I'm, I'm still recovering myself to be honest with you. I did my second second 24 hour special this year uh, where we did this basically well 24 hour plus hours uh, from 11, four, 11 nine, or 419 at 11:30 to uh, well, 420 420 the <laughs> evening we went past we went into 421 there so credit, it was a pretty man. cool day
2: yeah i don't think i could ever do a 24-hour stream um but credit all the credit to you i mean yeah i i would definitely run out of shit to say and talk about but uh, you're a pro
1: oh no i run <laughs> out of shit to talk about and it's it's This year was a little bit different than last year. Last year we had it a little bit in like uh, groups of three. So it'd be like me and you, and then halfway through your time slot, somebody else would come in and then, you know, kind of lively up the conversation, and that's the way it went all day. But this year was – yeah, this year is more like a (laughs) free-for-all. And uh, we had uh, 20 people – 10, 20 people at one point
0: in there (laughs) –
1: Good day. A little confusing at point. But good day. <laughs> so what are you smoking on over there, my friend? Uh,
2: right now I'm smoking Skittles. I um, I get in phases where I smoke the same strain. I shit you not. I'm not even bullshitting you. I smoke the same strain for two or three years at a time. And right now I'm on Skittles and I smoked this for almost two years straight. And I just, I don't know. I, I love it. So I go hard on it and... Before that, it was OG Kush probably. Before that, well, sour diesel maybe. But uh, sometimes I just lock into some strains and I'm on the hunt for them and I just smoke them nonstop. But I would say as of late, I have smoking almost exclusively Skittles, a little bit of Purple Starburst. But uh, I'm, a, I'm in love with Skittles.
1: It's a great strain. It's a great strain, I can see. I can see it, I can see it. It's hard
2: to grow, so we have a perpetual harvest here in Denver, Colorado. And um, it's, I think we have 20 moms, so that we can have at least, I think, 400 cuts every two weeks. And uh, of those 400 cuts, maybe 200 live, and of those 200, maybe 100 go forward after no stunting or any weird shit happens. So the plant is one of the hardest plants I've ever had to grow, Um, but I love it so much that it's worth that trade-off for me. But yeah, that it's it's a trickier plant. It likes a soiler, uh, uh, or a, sorry, a sandier soil, and a lot less light, a lot less water. You can you can overwater it really easy? So it's a finicky little bitch. But when you get it right, it's phenomenal.
0: Have you always been in Colorado?
2: Uh, I was born in Iowa. But uh, I moved to Colorado at like kindergarten. So I consider myself a Colorado kid. I went to college in Montana, University of Montana, Missoula. So I spent some time up there. And um, yeah, but I've, I've uh, basically always called myself a Colorado guy. Yeah. When I was in school in Missoula, Montana, it was 2007 or so. And that's when Colorado 2008 and nine started taking off with their cannabis, their legal cannabis, their medical system. So right around the time that I was kind of wrapping up with school, I was like, well, I'm going to head back home because I know exactly what to do. I, I worked on um, a minor in botany and a, a, a marketing degree. So it was, it was botany and marketing, and I kind of knew exactly what to do when I saw cannabis exploding. I was like, I know what to do now. So that was sort of the plan. I went back home and uh, started a shop.
0: So it sounds like with botany, uh, you've already had
1: a love for growing then, or at least somewhat of an interest in plants before. How long yeah. has that went back? I mean,
2: say, I don't want to like, do, like mislead anybody. So the, uh, the botany was entirely so I could grow better weed. I was already growing weed at the time. I was a non-traditional freshman. So I went to school at like 25 years old um, and I'd already grown pot. And I was, I was like, I can take a, I can pick up some botany courses and maybe grow better weed. When I went to the botany courses I was stunned at how much it didn't help me grow better weed. It was a ton of memorization of, of common names, scientific names. The finals were walking around the campus identifying like 700 different species and um, it, while it, it made me a better a well a more well-rounded gardener um, I don't know it was it was one of the hardest things I ever did and it involved tons of stuff that I wasn't interested in. If I'm not that interested in it I have a hard time retaining the information. So those, those were the tests I specifically crammed for. I would stay up all night long, cram, 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 walk in and take the test. And by the time I was turning the paper in and walking out the door, I had already released all that information out of the back of my brain. So, um, yeah, you know, so it was just, a, uh, I want to say minor. It was just something where I picked it up because, uh, in, in the science department you could pick up minors. So I was just like, well, I'll stay in the botany thing, but yeah, I've always had a love for plants, but, uh, I wouldn't even say I can grow other plants that well. I'm just a in cannabis because uh, I've killed many houseplants.
1: Well, I guess then, well, we should start right where I do with everybody else. I mean, it sounds like you've had a pretty good run with cannabis. Usually I start things right off with that first time. you mind sharing uh, when the first time uh, cannabis uh, entered your life?
2: first time I ever smoked cannabis. Sure. Um, I, uh, I don't recall the age exactly. I think it was like 14 or 15. And I remember going behind the barn of my friend's house. He had some swag. He rolled a joint and, uh, we smoked the joint in his barn out in the backyard and uh, I didn't think it did anything to me. And, uh, we went bowling right afterwards. He was 16. So he, we jumped in his car and went to the bowling alley and on the interstate, I remember feeling an, an immense sensation, of speed, like the car was going too fast and I was kind of wigging out a little bit. And that was the first time that I ever smoked cannabis. And it was, I don't know, it was wild because I didn't think that something like that could possibly happen from smoking cannabis, but it slowly turned me on to this whole lifestyle, if you will. But I would say I was raised on swag. There was many a time when there was no weed around in Southern Colorado. So we would drive to Boulder, try to get weed off the hill we go to Fort Collins, try to get weed from the hippies over there. But a lot of times there was nothing. So we smoked swag growing up. And uh I laugh about that now because it's we've been so spoiled with dispensaries around every other corner and been able to smoke the best weed for years. But yeah, growing up, man, I would say it was it was tricky to get good weed. And we smoked a lot of swag. One of those dugouts and one of those like little ceramic, like uh what do they call it? Like cigarette little pins, little one-hitters. Like, that dates me, but that's how we smoked back in, like, high school was everyone had swag that was de at home. You de seed it, put it in your little dugout, and then walking around taking poles of one-hits of swag. Yeah, that was the early days.
1: I often say that, uh man, I'm so glad that the next gen will never, hopefully, know what uh, Brickweed is. Uh, Brownie and all that swagger right. hopefully we, we you yeah, know we've come to that point where it'll be just like old men. Yeah, I remember the day when we got all our bricks and we bricks. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful time we're in. Seem like Colorado, though, I mean I'm from Michigan, Michigan native my whole life, but seemed like Colorado with being so close to the West Coast and so close to the Mexican border, there that, uh, you know, there'd be something floating around constantly.
2: Yeah. I mean, we had good weed. We had batches of good weed from like the hippies, and then we had shit weed pretty regular. But um, the stuff that stands out to me growing up that was special, like we had um, NL5 haze, which was cough, Fort Collins cough. So we had the cough floating around Fort Collins. There was also Fort Collins sage. So there was a sage that was floating around up there. We also used to get really good blueberries back in the day, AK-47. Uh, there was a guy that came to town that had really good AK-47. But, um, yeah, a lot of times it was all about who you knew. And being a youngster, you don't know anything so uh, or anyone. So it was hard to I get access to anything good. But uh, my struggles was real growing up as far as getting any good weed. And I remember treasuring, like literally treasuring a batch of good weed We'd buy an ounce of sour diesel or something. And just like – it's like Gollum with the ring. I would just hoard that shit. and. Go to the basement and nobody talked to me. I didn't even want to share it. It was so good. I recall I recall days of like GTA, GTA and Sour Diesel. Like if I yeah, if I had an ounce of Sour Diesel and I would go play GTA and you wouldn't see me for a week because that was my thing.
1: What was that ounce of Sour D going for at that time?
2: About four hundred bucks, which is ironically the reason I got into growing cannabis. <laughs> Cause I was going broke buying sour diesel ounces. And I was like, all right, I got to figure a way to do this where I'm not going to be poor as fuck all the time. I was like, I got to have good weed, but I can't be broke. So how does this work? Which the natural conclusion was, well, let's grow some. And I remember reading an article in the back of a high times. There's something about, it was a, it's called the C22 cabinet. And this will date me a little bit too. But if people might remember overgrow.com, there was a whole thread on there or a whole subsection on there about mills, Uh, mills closets that you buy at home depot and it was a white closet you could open it up and then inside you could put a four thousand i'm sorry a 400 watt light or like a couple of i don't even remember what they were like hundred waters but it was all a whole whole uh thread dedicated to growing in a cabinet in a closet and i started there and i built this tiny micro grow and um i started growing four or five plants and figuring how to do it and then i'm I knew a buddy who had the sour diesel. So when we got the sour diesel clone, I plugged it in and killed it immediately. But uh, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But then I learned off overgrow entirely off trial and error, reading books, DVDs, everything else. But yeah, um, the early days of smoking sour diesel is 100% why I started growing cannabis because I had to figure out how to do this on my own.
1: awesome that's awesome even cooler you were able to get your hands on a cut of it so early
2: that was actually an accident like most
1: people don't get that lucky
2: totally that was it was an accident because the guy we were getting the sour from was a musician here in denver and uh he had a buddy that was growing it and we went over to his house to buy the sour one time and he had a couple plants sitting in the corner He's like, oh, those are extras from the Saturn. we're like, can we, can we take one? He's like, sure, take one. And I knew that he probably wasn't supposed to give me one and all the rest of that, but we didn't know shit at that time. I literally didn't. I had I had a couple of high times magazines and a website and I was just trying to piece it all together. And I think we took that sour diesel. This is embarrassing, but I think we took that sour diesel clone home at that time and put it under like a Home Depot grow lamp in the closet and it stretched to the moon and before you knew it someone watered it something wrong it fried it up and killed it and it was one of those moments where like we really just fucked up and we know we really just fucked up but how are we going to correct this and uh that led me to buy in the first seed pack that i ever popped which was uh nyc diesel from soma seeds because i wanted sour diesel but i didn't know that sour diesel and nyc diesel were completely different things like many people at the time so uh, i was hunting sour but looking in all the wrong places so if you guys don't know out there uh nyc diesel from soma is not sour diesel from new york city or the east coast
0: so did you uh
1: did you ever get that cut back that original one that you loved so much the one that drew you in
2: oh yeah absolutely um we got it back uh, like a year later, same crew, still has it in Denver, still grows it, still grows great batches. They've made like a career out of sour diesel. But uh, yeah, it's funny because I got it back, you know, not that long after this incident, i have started starting to learn how to grow. We were just talking about it the other day. I was like, we need to get that sour D cut back. It's been a minute since we've had that cut and uh, we call it the same people. And Yeah, we got it. So uh, I'm pretty sure that it's back in the stable from the same people that we got all the way back in the beginning which is kind of a like a funny thing. But uh, I don't know. Sour Diesel is not quite the same as it once was. I think a lot of people will agree. It used to be so fucking loud that you couldn't even have it in your pocket or go into a building with anything. Even if it was in a bag or a jar, it would still fucking stink. So it was hard to drive it within a car. It would get you in trouble. And uh, yeah, I just haven't seen Sour be quite the same. And uh, I miss it. It's just like OG too, some of these plants. Some people say genetic drift. Some people say dudding. But uh, I would say... Know, it's a twenty-year-old clone. Twenty, sometimes thirty-year-old clone. So, even the best, even the ones that were maintained the best or held the best, taken care of the best, still are thirty-year-old plants. And it just requires you absolutely got to baby them to the finish before they 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 smell or perform or taste like they used to. So,
0: how how long
1: was that? how? Which strains followed that were you stuck on the sour D thing for a while?
2: yeah, we grew a lot of sour D. Um we were the sage uh, then i remember, I remember getting into seeds and I was just a, started becoming a seed popper manic, like I would literally just pop everything anything I could and at the day at that time, the big site was uh, uh Seed Bay. Seed Bay was an auction site where you could, people were listing seeds and you could buy seeds and Seed Boutique, where you can get them over in Amsterdam and it sent them over. And it was all Gypsies. Gypsy was running all that shit. And uh, Reservoir Seeds was like the king at the time. Reservoir Seeds was selling drops that would sell out in like 15 minutes and crash servers and break internets and same shit like today with other breeders, but it was just Reservoir was doing at that time. So I remember popping a decent amount of Reservoir Seeds because he was releasing Sour Diesel in seed form. So I stayed on that sour kick. I stayed trying to look for that sour diesel for a minute. Um, There was other influences though at the time. Uh, There's a guy that went by John Lee Pettimore, JLP. I don't know if he's still out there or even still alive, but uh, he was a big influence on me. He was one of the first guys on overgrow that I hit up and said, Hey man, can I give some seeds? And he sent me, uh, Juliet and Romeo, which was a NYC diesel to Cindy 99. And then, uh, romeo was uh cindy 99 to nyc diesel so it was vice versa of the male and the female and uh the the juliet that i found was one of the best phenos that it's still to this day that i've ever found it tasted like, like grapefruit shark snacks or what's the uh, fruit snacks like the little fruit snacks you give kids in their lunch it literally smelled like some sort of artificial grapey fruit snacky kind of thing and um i still kept it to this day i still use it i've used it and um strawberry shortcake crosses and yeah that's that's cherry tones in there, real heavy cherry tones but jlp gave me that uh that uh was free seed and i just got amazing amazing pot out of it and that made me i always say this but that made me kind of famous in a time when you didn't want to be famous like people would come up to me at concerts or shows or wherever and be like i heard you grow fire weed i heard you got awesome weed and i heard it was just like Fuck, man, because I would pass that weed out or sell that weed around to a few people. But it was so good that everyone chattered around town. And that made me really nervous. So about the same time that I scored some reservoir strawberry diesel seeds, I was heading to Montana to go to college because of the fact that I was getting to be a little bit too popular in Colorado or in Denver in my circles. And I was just like, everyone, my name's in everyone's mouth. And this shit's super illegal and everyone knows what I do here. So I have to relocate and get the fuck out of here, which I was down to do. But uh, when I moved to Montana, that's when I started Strawberry Diesel. And similarly, at the same time, I had gotten the real OG Kush in Boulder. And I say real OG Kush, there was just one OG Kush at the time. There wasn't a whole bunch of OG Kushes, So I just, the OG Kush. And it was phenomenal herb too. It was just as good as the sour, if not better. I think it was better to my personal belief is it was a little bit better. So I loved that OG and I got hooked on that OG. So I took it with me to Montana and in Montana, that's when it was really about OG, Juliet, sour diesel, strawberry diesel, which is a seed pack that I had gotten from reservoir seeds. And um, that was sort of my jam at that time, which leads me to creating Bruce Banner, I guess, if that's where you want to go.
0: At that point, well, I mean, when did
1: you actually start getting into wanting to breed? I mean,
2: right there at that moment, because I know the exact moment and it wasn't even like a conscious thought like, oh, I'm going to become a breeder now. It was, I was online. I bought uh, the Reservoir Strawberry Diesel seeds, came online, the very first version. There was a few versions that got released, but the first version of Reservoir Seed Strawberry Diesel came online on Seed Bay. And I had to stay up because this was a European site. I had to stay up till fuck i don't even know like four three or four in the morning to let him list them and he was listing them in chunks like five at a time and when he listed one i was able to buy or get the buy it now button and click and purchase and put all my info in and push enter and as soon as i pushed enter the website crashed the server crashed and the screen went like internal error server error whatever and i had no idea if i had won or lost the seeds or the had bought in these seeds and i knew that they were going to be sold out in the morning when i woke up so But I just said, fuck it, because I literally waited all night to try to do this. And I just went to bed and I woke up the next morning and in my inbox, there was a, a message saying that, you know, congratulations, you won or you purchased this pack of seeds or whatever it may be. So I immediately sent in my cash for that. And when they got to when they got to the to me and I started them, I immediately thought, okay, I know these seeds are so valuable that they crash a website. I really only care about the females it would be an injustice almost to like just throw away the males just kill the males like i normally do so i decided to keep the males for the first time knowing that they were incredibly valuable and i just said fuck it the best plant that i have is og kush and it was literally i love the flavor i love the taste and i already knew i was like strawberry diesel strawberry flavor to og kush i want to make a strawberry og so it wasn't even like i'm planning this as much as it was like if you don't do this, you're a moron. And so I did. And I took the strawberry diesel uh, males. There was a couple of them. There's three different males. And I pollinated individual branches of different plants of, or of different OGs, not different, the same OG, but I had multiple clones. And I pollinated different branches of it um, with different males. And then I also did what a, you might call an orgy or terrible breeding practice, which was to basically mix the pollen and throw them on the top colas. So I had no idea what was what on the top colas. Um, again, I wasn't reading a lot about breeding at the time. I was more or less just sort of chucking and playing around. And I always say that, like, when I made Bruce Banner, it wasn't an accident. It was on purpose, but it wasn't, it was more, it was more of a chuck than a breeding project. And um, when we poll- when we did the pollination, I, I got the seeds from the OG Kush. Uh, I remember this. And the OG was bomb. And I went to a concert in uh, Horning's hideout in Oregon. I believe it was in Oregon. It's like a backwoods amphitheater. Some people probably know, but Horning's hideout. And I went to go see string cheese. When I went out there, I took all the OG Kush with me. And uh, no, I got my, I got my story backwards. It's actually Bale, Colorado. I went back to see string cheese in Colorado. It was in Dobson Ice Arena. That's where it was. And the Dobson Ice Arena, I had the OG Kush with me. And everybody wanted to smoke the OG because it's, Again, back in Colorado, my crew kind of knew I had the good weed. So I would come up and be like, I want that OG. I want that OG. And I didn't want to sell it because it was pollinated with this super special stuff. So I was just like, well, I'll give you an eighth, but I really need the seeds out of it. I was like, it has seeds and I really want the seeds back. So I passed out like a quarter pound or half pound of all this OG that was seeded and begged for the seeds back. And of those seeds, I maybe got back like two, 300 max out of all of it. There was probably a thousand in there. Still makes me cringe to this day a little bit, but uh, I got those seeds back. I rounded all those seeds back up um, individually, kind of had them labeled from what was what and uh, started those seeds. And with amongst those seeds is where I found Bruce Banner, number one, number three, and number five. There was another Fino in there, but it it wasn't great. I didn't really cultivate it much more or propagate it more. So it kind of fell, fell off right away, but the one, three and five. And, um, i started that that seed cracked it grew it and i knew it was good but i had no idea how good it was again it was my first breeding project you start something you start a seed you put it in the ground it grows you're looking at it you're going that's a it looks like good weed it looks smells great looks good but in your mind you're kind of wondering like did i am i manufacturing my own hype like is this is this not as good as i think it is and i remember harvesting it smoking it and the very first hit being like holy shit like that that tastes great. This is phenomenal. It tastes like strawberries on the end and OG on the back. And I was like, this is fucking great. I think this weed might be the best weed I've ever smoked in my life, but I knew that, you know, I made this. So I don't think that it's probably going to be, it's in my head a little bit. So I took it to some friends and, um, I, (laughs) I remember going back to, um, a concert, this is the concert in Oregon. So I remember going to the concert in Oregon and I had the first batch of Bruce Banner. And when I went to the concert in Oregon, I had three different jars and I went and saw my same crew again. And I passed out this weed in the lot this time, which was OG Kush to Strawberry Diesel. And I called it Strawberry Kush. And um, the people there bought it on the first day. And then it was a three-day concert run. And on the third day, everybody was kind of running around being like, anybody, anybody seeing that Bruce Banner guy? I need that Bruce Banner weed. And my last name's Hulk, if you guys weren't aware. Um, like Hulk Hogan or whatever the fuck so um, it turned into or Incredible Hulk so it turned into Bruce Banner weed instead of Strawberry Kush they just said hey where's that Bruce Banner weed so at, by the end of the weekend the strain was named by, named itself it became Bruce Banner and it was confirmation to me that this weed was fucking good and uh, take it a little step further I went to after college I went straight back to uh, Denver started one of the first five dispensaries in the state Maybe first ten dispensaries in the state, but I was one amongst the very first people to do it, and I introduced that Bruce Banner strain, and that's also when I knew that this was something special because it sold out immediately, and then we had people talking about it. A line started forming. People would line up in lawn chairs to try to buy it. They'd wait overnight around the block. I remember walking around the corner to the store one time, and there was people in lawn chairs waiting all the way down the on the street. Something like you'd see at Cookies today, or some other shit, but it just blew me away in 2008 or nine when weed still hella illegal. We're all running under the medical aspect. I thought the news was going to show up or something, and I was like, "We need, we gotta. I'll give everybody a number, and you come back, and we'll serve you one one at a time. I don't want people lined up in front of the stores, freaking me out. Where really, that's I guess good PR, or good promotion, but that scared the shit out of me at the time. But it also gave me the confirmation that okay, this weed is super special. But uh, yeah, that was. I didn't become a breeder till 2000 fuck like uh, 14. So I didn't really consciously start making strains till 2014. I had only made Bruce Banner back then, 2000, probably six or so just out of that necessity of getting that, that seed and knowing, Hey, dipshit, don't fuck this up. Don't throw those males away, throw it on this OG and see what comes out of it. Um, And yeah, I mean, we, we hit it out of the park with that or hit it out of the park with that one it's certainly you can call me a one-hit wonder all you want we have several strains but that one built my career it is our flagship and uh it's it's one of the i don't know it speaks for itself it's one of the most famous strains in the world somehow and sometimes it freaks me out people say oh you're the bruce banner guy i was like what the fuck oh yeah weird you know halfway around the world
1: and that's got to be an amazing feeling. I can't imagine fucking people waiting all, overnight and shit to buy fucking seeds and shit like that. That's got to This was crazy. just the
2: weed. We we limited them to a quarter a quarter per purchase, and that also pissed people off, but we tried to share it enough around the city. And um yeah, we also started selling clones at that time. We waited I think this is the perfect way to release a strain that's hot like this. And this is the perfect way to market one. This is also the perfect way to release one because everybody wants what they can't have. But if you say, OK, we have the hottest cut going right now and we're going to sell it at our shop and we're going to hold an exclusive exclusivity on it for a year to two or even three years. But you announce a date that you're going to release it. And we announced the date of Christmas um, two years after that we had started selling the plant. I said in two years, I'm going to sell this cut to you know, the public. And a year from there, we released it to dispensaries. So we had one year exclusivity. The second year I sold it to a dozen shops because I couldn't fill demand. As much as I like seeing a line down the street, it was better to go ahead and put that product out and get, it, you know, across the market through some partners and produce more of it. So um, we did that for the, the second year. But on the, you know, on the third, on the third year, essentially, we sold it to the public. And I remember taking a whole lot of shit because I sold the clone like software. If you were a dispensary and you were going to grow it and you were going to whatever you wanted to do with it, I sold it to her a thousand dollars. If you were a guy off the street, it was 50 bucks. And people thought that was outrageous. You know, they were like, "That's fucking outrageous!" Like, want to spit in my face, kind of shit, for trying to sell a clone for a thousand dollars. And people would troll me and all the rest of it. But I look at it today, and I'm just like, it makes sense to me. If you own it, if you own a business and you're going to be selling pounds of the shit, and you're going to become your house strain, and you're going to literally build everything off of this, a thousand dollars is nothing. It's literally nothing, you know. But if if you're a guy off the street that just wants it for yourself, fifty bucks—that's you know—it's worth at the time clones were 15 to 20 bucks maybe so i charge you double for a super good clone at home um but uh, i remember yeah we sold a shit ton of clones and that's also what released it to the world because people faked it initially then they got it and then it sort of just went everywhere and um, something about holding it back keeping it away from people making them all froth for it and then just Putting it out in bulk form, and then all of the a sudden, you knew it's in, it was on the West Coast. It was in Cali. I remember Harborside got it, and Harborside started Harborside started selling clones of it. I knew from there. I was like, okay, well, it's gonna make its way around the world now. And uh, yeah, I mean, we were in Spain not that long ago, and it was in some clubs over there. And it weirds me out sometimes to see the the exact clone like all over the world. But um, yeah, they also we've since sold seed of it, so or a version of it in seed. So it, it gets a little bit muddied up now, too, when you go to dispensaries and you're after Bruce Banner. A lot of times it's the number five pheno because the five got widely passed when the number three was held a lot tighter. And then, um, or it's a pheno a of a seed that, you know, that we put out or somebody else put out. Um, but yeah, so it's a little trickier to nail down the exact one now. But at the same time, Bruce Banner is far and wide. So yeah, it's a uh, strain was, just took a life of its own
0: and sort of weirds me out. Cheddar Bob 13 in chat would like to
1: know, uh what's your favorite version of Bruce Banner? He's running the number three right now. I'm very stoked, very pleased.
2: Sure. The number three uh, Fino has always been my favorite. Like the number three Fino is the OG Dom. So there's, I'll go through the Finos a little bit. And the number one Fino was more of a hybrid of all of it down the road. Yielded medium, medium, I would say. Um, the number three was almost all OG with strawberry terps, just strawberry OG all day. And the number five was like intense strawberry with not as much OG. So it was just more and more and more strawberry. Um, but that the number three was my favorite clone. Now there's also more confusion. I don't know if I'm confusing the fuck out of everybody with this, but. I put out seeds, so in the batches of seeds, I did a Bruce Banner 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. And that was a back cross to the Bruce Banner 3. Each, each 0. .0 was going back cross again, so back cross BX1, 2, and 3. So I tried to back cross that in seed form. So if you have Bruce Banner 1.0, 2.0, or 3.0 in seed form, you have a Bruce Banner 3 back cross. But I have since released Bruce Banner That i call original bruce banner an original bruce banner is in seed form the original og kush the exact same mother that i used way back when and a new version of reservoir strawberry diesel male that i got recently um some seeds and i cracked and i got a male so i recreated what i did back in college with the exact same genetics to find amongst those seeds the number one the three and the five phenos so they exist amongst the original bruce banner phenos so there's to be clear, there's clone only's floating around of Bruce Banner 135. There's Bruce Banner back crosses to back cross them of Bruce Banner number three, um, Bruce Banner 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And then there's also original Bruce Banner, which is a recreation of the original cross that created Bruce Banner. Um, sorry if that confuses the shit out of everybody.
0: Not really, but I'm glad you made the clarity of it all. But
1: you say kind of one-hit wonder. I don't see that at all. Not at all. I I just think of it as it's a beautiful first step out, man. Uh, What is it like? I mean, come on. High times, strongest strain, you know, first out and you get something like that. I mean, that's...
2: Well, the weird thing about it's it was...
1: tough to compete with. I don't care who you are or what you create. That shit's tough to follow up, man.
2: Uh, I, I appreciate it. But yeah, the weird thing about it is the time it takes for a strain to pop, too. Like, I knew it was good in 2007, or, you know, I knew I had the fire in 2007 in my closet. I was like, oh, shit, this is this is amazing. No one in the world knows, except for a small people in a parking lot at a strain cheese incident. You know what I mean? And then I brought it to the city in 2008, 2009 and line that up and um that started it a little bit but really bruce banner didn't become a household name or like started popping until it got on the coast when california got it when harborside got it that was big but then i remember there was a period of time i can't remember the exact year but it became a 800 hundred dollar an ounce strain in new york city and all the high times guys were smoking it and they were raving and ranting raving about this herb and it kind of just kept taking its way across the globe and getting bigger and bigger but i'll be honest you know Bruce Banner is my flagship. It is my namesake because you know it, my last name's Hulk and all. But it's literally given me everything. Like those without the strain, I wouldn't be where I am today. Without that wonderful, beautiful—I want to call accident—but little Chuck, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today, 20 years later, because I wouldn't be able to go get an investor to get in a legal market and say, "Hey, I need to borrow millions of dollars." And the guy's gonna look at me and if you know if I'm Joe below Instagram guy with some pretty pictures. And I say, trust me, I'm good. Trust me. I know I'm I'm good. If I bring the investor a fucking cover of high times and say, I got the strongest strain on earth. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the best. I want to say best breeder. I breed the strongest weed on earth. I need to borrow a million dollars. I know what the fuck I'm doing. He's like, Oh shit. I and mean, his buddy's like maybe we got the high times guy that this dude's whatever's on our team it, it, it broke down all the fucking doors it broke down all of the doors so i'm eternally grateful to high times i'm a, you know immensely grateful to i think danny Denko is the one that wrote that article that just did that and it, it literally changed things winning some cups changed things a little bit too the weed actually being good changed things but i'm under no like illusion that you know i don't know i while i say i've earned it i've also you know it was a gift. I got lucky. I literally got lucky because if that strain turns out like dog shit and it doesn't become amazing, I'm just another guy growing weed, trying to get it an investment, trying to build a shop. You know what I mean? And the fact that I bred that, I call popping seeds like, you know, the lottery. I won the lottery there or even creating seeds. You kind of play what you kind of tweak the odds in your favor when you make seeds as a breeder, but you're still playing fucking the lottery. And when you win the lottery and you find that Pheno, which, you know, I've won the lottery a few times, but you find that Pheno and you're like, oh shit, like this is special. Um, and you know how to push it forward and control it and market it and release it. Um, it can certainly take you places. You know, I'll even say, for example, like Capulator, like, uh, you know, I know Cap, um, I'm not super well or anything, but Mac one, it reminds me a lot of the Bruce Banner trajectory. It's like all of a sudden you get, you know, people, go nuts on a strain and they're like oh shit we got to line up and buy this we got to get this we got to get this well the mac one and the calculator we saw it go down you know what i mean you can see this happen you see it happen with some of the cookie shit going on you see it happen with the compound stuff or the seed junkie stuff when all of a sudden they're eight nine hundred dollars a pack and people are clamoring to get the shit and i'm just like okay you know you see you know i would say um if you can dial it up and, you, and what, what i mean by dialing it up is finding the right phenos and then turn those phenos into something it'll open up all of it to you but uh again i'm under no like delusions that uh i'm the greatest thing ever honestly it was it was one of the luckiest things that ever happened to me but the fact that i could parlay it into where i am now in the and go through the doors that it opened for me because uh it certainly opened the doors
0: I think you're cheating yourself a little bit there, brother, for real. So, I mean, a
1: lot of us, shit, all, all of us, I don't think a lot of us, almost all of us are fucking popping seeds, you know? There we we do taste that cut, you know what I mean? Everybody wants to get that good cut to have in the house, but that's – that's something different. That's something different in my eyes, man. We're always we're all looking to pop those seeds to find that unicorn, that pheno, that sure. one that nobody else has got that's, you know. Well, but to be I, able to, you know, put those couple of strains together and it be that unicorn. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? It definitely it's worked in that completely different.
2: But well, what I will say also that I think is interesting is I again I wasn't a breeder until like 2014 or so. I started a dispensary in 2008, and what I think made me what what I am better I'm not even a fantastic breeder. What I am good at is picking good weed. Like I'll be cocky and confident about that all day. I know good weed. You know I know good cannabis, and the way I know that is I grew up reading High Times like every other kid. Like it was a Playboy sitting in the shitter or sitting hiding in the fucking treehouse or wherever the fuck it was. I read all of it cover to cover, and I knew I had the pinups in my wall and everything else. But then high times moved to Denver, Colorado in 2008. And when I opened my first shop, one of the first ones in the state, if not, you know, the country, I was sat there and my shop was a consignment shop. I didn't have enough. I literally had six lights in my basement. That's what I was the grow for the dispensary. You know what I mean? I could produce a few pounds and I'd bring in and it would be a spike to sales. But I relied on the community to supply the shop. So what I became good at, I sh- it, was, shit you not, it was nothing more than Pawn Stars. I sat in the back of my fucking dispensary. Kids walked in every day, every 15 minutes with backpacks full of pounds and they plopped down in front of me and I'd sit there and I'd look at it and I'd eyeball it, I'd smoke it. And I, I got the opportunity to see way more strains than I ever would have seen otherwise. If I was just a guy even popping seeds like crazy looking for phenos. I saw the, all the best cuts. I saw everything come through the door from the best weed to the shittiest weed. And I was able to smoke all of it, figure out you know what is the best weed. And that's why my shop in Denver kicked ass or that's also why we had lines is because i selected the best pot i was the best weed picker in the city at the time amongst the shitty dispensaries that was open you knew if you came to my store there was going to be fire on the shelf so the best and i also paid the most for it so the people that literally grew the best weed came to me first and that immensely helped me down the line when i decided to become a breeder is knowing that all these different flavors seeing all these different strains and getting it bombarded and when i say amsterdam came to my city it feels like it because everything that i was reading in those high times all those posters all those people should even adam dunn who was like a mentor of mine they all moved here they just showed up all of a sudden it was like shit. seeds is here and you know like it was it was interesting to me to see everybody from amsterdam come to denver and denver became the mega hub spot for a minute and imagine being a kid idolizing the bowls or some shit, Michael Jordan and the entire bowls and Scottie Pippen and Niz Rodman and all those guys moved to your city and open up, you know, shops and you can go hang out with them and see them and talk to them and pick their brain. And it was an ultimate dream come true for me. So uh, I, it, you know, one step in front of the other, but uh, I think what made me a better reader was being able to pick, pick winners, pick good strains to put on my shelf, pick the best pot to put on my shelf. So now when I crack seeds looking for the best phenos. I kind of, I mean, I've seen tons of weed out there. So it's like, I kind of know all right, this is the one that I want. Or when I see something special, I believe it's really special. And I try to breed with the special ones. So I think it makes me a better breeder down the line. just having that immense amount of experience, literally running a consignment Pond Stars type of shop. And uh, I do miss that shit. You know, it, was, it was one of the best times before the regulation came.
1: Regulation does take a lot of fun out of it. I hate to say that, but <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, Ned Denver and Red Pill in chat would like to know your thoughts on Gamma Berry.
2: Gamma Berry was a banner five cross that I hit to the strawberry diesel. Um, now, full disclosure, the Gamma Berry shows anywhere from 10 to 20% intersex traits, meaning the dreaded word Hermie. Um, we don't sell a lot of it. I sell limited batches or good as freebies. Um, but yeah, the, the Gamma Berry, it's phenomenal. It has a longer internode length. So you're going to see four to five inches internode length between nodes. And it also only grows golf ball chunks. But all the while, you got to watch out for those Hermes. I just want a full disclosure. Uh, and that's the thing. This is, the, the Gamma Berry brought up a debate amongst me and some of my friends about at what point do you pull a line? Because when we went through testing, we didn't really see much. We saw a nanner here or there, and I can kind of live with that. But when you start to get feedback of this is, you're getting, you know, this many intersex traits, we're like, all right, it's literally, I pinpointed down to after growing large batches myself, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 to up to 20% intersex traits is like, that's a line that I think that we should probably pull. And what other people are saying Don't pull it. Just disclose it. And I've seen other breeders put on the pack, you know, warning intersex traits may be present, all the rest of that. I've also seen people literally just say, fuck it and sell it off and not say a word about it. Um, But me, I've been cautious to to sell it. And I try to disclose when, you know, when people do ask, I don't want to like hide from it. But at the same time, there's phenomenal plants within, but I wouldn't breed it. That's why I've never taken Gamma Berry down the line further. Um, It was a one off that we created. And I still have seeds of it today because I didn't push it out in bulk form and never just said, Hey, every seed bank in the world, take this. It's been, yeah, I got them, but do you really want them kind of thing? And uh, that's, you know, full disclosure. That's how we sell them. And there's not very many left. I think there's, we give them away. I think there's less than 20 packs left out of maybe two, 300 in the world.
1: Well, I appreciate the fact that you would throw that out there. You know, Like you said, there's a lot of people that would just chuck that shit into the market now. That's the
2: whole... Some would say say 0% is the point when you fucking don't sell a strain, right? And I would probably agree with that. But at the other times, it's like being a breeder that puts out thousands of packs in the world, it's like you get feedback from somebody, even though you've tested it and your testers say it's good and it sends you good pictures. You get feedback starting to come back in the, in the email saying this totally hermed on me, bro. And you're going, okay, that's one, you know, it's like, maybe that guy's a dipshit. Maybe not. It looks like he knows what he's doing. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He, maybe something happened there. You know, shit happens. Then you get another one. Then you get another one. And it's like, all right, is this, is this a recall situation? Do we sell it the way it is? Um, do, you know, even though I know within there's fire genetics, or how, did, how, did, how how should the community handle it? How should the seed buyers handle it? How should the breeders handle it? And it was just an open debate that we have, that I've had with my crew, I guess you could say. And um, my answer to that is it's kind of unanswered at this point. That's why we sort of still slowly sort of have the seeds. But um, yeah, again, Gamma Berry was bred specifically to go to the, the Banner 5 Phenos. Um, Hulk Smash is another one. Um, that we did that used the same mail and it came up with the same traits and we didn't really sell that one either so and that was to the banner three it was Gamma Berry and Hulk Smash and both those lines I sort of held back while limited packs are in the world for people that really beg for it but um, I just I don't know I'm uncomfortable doing it knowing that I have better lines to put out and would have happier customers if you went this direction so I try to steer you a different way
1: I, I, I appreciate that your honesty all the way around on that. And I would, too. I would try to – I would – just because, like you say, there could be that unicorn there. There's some greatness in the lineage. But, I, you know, as far as, you know, somebody coming to my storefront and wanting – I would try to steer them yeah, to you gotta, the, something else I felt was you better, remember we sell, if they were persistent, right, I would – like you said – we
2: got to remember we sell to large farms where you know i'll opcs and like i also sell to huge farms and like well, the last thing i want to do is just fuck some dude's whole farm up you know and i know it's going to happen so i'm just like i'm not going to do that but you know willingly so it you know it is what it is but the interesting thing about you might ask why the fuck did that why is that happening because the original bruce banner line didn't hurt him, and the answer to that is the original seeds from Reservoir were much more solid than whatever the fuck he put out in V2, V3, V4. And I thought, I think I popped the V4 versions that we got, which are now 12 years old. And so I bought them for a couple hundred bucks. So I was like, let me see if I can't recreate Banner with this OG and pop those seeds. I got four seeds, cracked them, got two males, used the different males, both used intersex, both shown intersex traits. And I was just like, hmm, interesting. It didn't work. When you, when you think about how did I create Bruce Banner um, 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0, We used a um, a, uh, F, I think I want to say F6 um, strawberry diesel from, fuck, I'm going to butcher this. It wasn't Karma. Uh, Damn it. Well, I sound like an idiot, but uh, if I can remember, I'll send you a DM and you can post it in in the suggestions of the video or whatever. But um, yeah, we used the fractal. There it is. Fractal Genetics. Fractal Genetics put out a strawberry diesel that was like F6 or whatever. Totally stable, totally solid. That was where I found the males on that, on the recreation of the 1, 2, and 3.0s of the, uh, the the original banner. We used that strawberry diesel v 4 And that strawberry diesel v 4 it, it wasn't stable. So um, that, again, um, I, I'm not sure where the Herm tendencies come from because strawberry strawberry diesel is um reservoir seeds with strawberry cough which is sour diesel east coast sour diesel so maybe it's coming from the Kyle Cushman strawberry cough but uh or even the sour diesel side but I've made plenty of sour diesel crosses about intersex traits so if I had to pinpoint it it's either the Kyle Cushman or even the seeds I got you know which reservoir sold in a little baggie were traded out for something other others and it was some sort of strawberry stuff but it wasn't his original who who fucking knows um With reservoir seeds and again i'm talking about reservoir seeds a lot so to to be clear reservoir seeds is a piece of shit and he um while he did make good stuff and he set the world on fire um he also ruined everything about his name and legacy by turning snitch and writing out gypsy and kim dog and dutch and a bunch of people so if you don't know uh, no love for res although the work was good but yeah, you, know, you done fucked yourself on that deal. Right on, right
0: on. So, do you
1: think it's like something because just don't are just don't like to be fed heavy or you know in mid flat mid to late flower? Do you think that's where the the Hermes were coming from?
2: It could possibly be that. I think it's also a light sensitivity thing. I think the minor minorest amount of light leakage, a pinhole leak a red, red bulb on something can fall. I know sour is light sensitive. Um, so sour can show weird shit if you have light leaks at all. So I, I lean towards two temperamental strains crossed together potentially to create the strawberry diesel. But um, on the very first version, I remember back in 2014, it was solid. And I'll say that in general, for most cannabis strains, we're getting to a point where Hermes are everywhere. When before, I don't know. Call me crazy, but I used to find better shit in, you know, a higher keeper ratio in packs ten years ago than I find today. I go through packs like crazy, and I don't keep shit. I'm just like, yeah, no, not good. I don't want this. Don't want this. None of this shit's hitting the marks. It's you know, while this tastes good, the structure is so bad or the yield is so shitty that there's no way I'm gonna run this ever again, like commercially. Um, so I don't know, man. I've, maybe others would disagree, but I, while genetics have gotten better. Keeper, the ability to find keepers has gotten way fucking harder, I feel like.
0: So let's back up a little bit.
1: Uh, you know, obviously you've been doing some shit right for a long time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you have to like worry about your reputation for growing fire you've done some shit right <laughs> you know what i mean you want so what What were you growing in what was your grow like at that point you wanna let us I've, in a little bit on how what what that was like back then
2: sure yeah i've um i've grown every which way but i grow now the same way that i was taught the very first time i ever grew and the people that mentored me taught me a very simple fucking recipe. I don't even have any secrets. I'll tell this whole show exactly how I grow my weed at home, in my commercial facility, and how I was taught. And you'll probably laugh and think that I'm lying, but this is literally all I do. I, um, I love soil, but it's not soil. It's soilless because I'm using uh, Sunshine 4 was the go-to back in the day. But we since have switched that up to ProMix. I prefer ProMix now. But then I cut it with 20% earthworm castings, and, uh, that's my soil base by cutting it with earthworm castings it then creates a soil and becomes a soil at that point. Cause, uh, if you didn't understand MPK zero, zero, zero on just, um, ProMix, but as soon as you add the, the earthworm casting it becomes a soil at this point. So I have 20% earthworm castings and, um, I grow in, um, uh, like one gallon pots to start veg for two weeks. Then I flip them to five gallon buckets. I do five-gallon buckets for two more weeks, so I try to get a good one-month edge on them. And um, then I flip them into flour and five-gallon buckets. Uh, I use nothing but age-old. If you don't know what it is, age-old organics. It's an old secret here in Denver, Colorado, or in Boulder, Colorado. It was an old hippies that created a nutrient line in Boulder, all of us old heads up in the Boulder Canyon, Boulder Valley Canyon, um, or Netherland Canyon. We all used this shit back in the day. And um, age old, it's cheap as shit. It's like $15 for a liter, whatever the fuck. And uh, you use, I think, 1.5 teaspoons per gallon, which is like 15 milliliters or some shit. It's simple. It's it's one part, one part grow, one part bloom. And that's it. And you use the, the, I never go over 1,100 ppms. I never go over 1,100. So I keep it organic as I fucking possibly can. And I never stress my plants out because... I'm not a fan of uh, MPK boosters or whatever, any of these hardeners, plant hardeners, or I don't like salt nutrients, any of that other stuff. But to finish my equation, I put them into flower and then I uh, switch to the uh, age old bloom. And then I use the bloom, uh, increasing the PPM from 800 to peak it out at 1100 and then back it down, flush it out. We will use a little bit of guano sometimes for teas if I'm using more at my home grows. Um, but I literally do nothing but that. And if you haven't been around Denver, Colorado, I invite you to try our weed. It tastes fucking great because we don't stress our plants out. It literally tastes, I mean, yeah, I I'd go Pepsi challenge with anybody on the Skittles, on the Bruce Banner, on the Purple Starburst, on I don't know, the kitchen sink, some of the shit that we put out there is just like, it tastes good because you let the plants shine through. You don't, everyone today wants to get as much as they can, like yield, 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 yield. But it's, that's not what it's about to me. It's just about flavor. You know, if you can get flavor and you charge a premium for it and it's better. And I run a small grow, uh, hundred lights in the face of thousand light facilities all around me. So We just do small batch cannabis, 20 pounds, 20 pounds of room, 15 to 20 pounds a room, three or four strains, sell it in pre-packed glass jars and at a premium. And that's sort of our thing. But uh, I guess to circle back to answer your question, how I grew it then was um, HPS bulbs, magnetic ballast. And uh, yeah, we trellis. We use a trellis every single time. Um, A lot of people I feel like don't understand what a Scrog really is. A scrog is not a trellis that you, even a double trellis, like you should never need to really double trellis because the idea of a scrog is a screen of green. Like you need to weave your plants through the net over and over. If if any part of your plant sticks up more than four or five inches, it needs to be pushed down and weaved under the screen. And if you do this folks and you trim everything underneath and everything that pokes up, you weave back down, you create a totally even canopy. You're going to yield way more. And yeah, I love screens. Um, also, I mean, you can use the trellis if you just want to put the trellis and let shit go through it. So you don't have to bamboo everything and then a double trellis so it doesn't fall over. I get that. That's more of a commercial facility thing. But uh, everybody who's never actually tried a screen of green, try a screen of green at home. You could do it on one plant and just weave the shit over. But uh, you'll yield more. I've been thousand watt lights, age old grow, sunshine. Four or um pro mix, earthworm castings, maybe a little guano, but the key is is organics and never going over eleven hundred parts per million, never stressing the plants out. Um, if you're a pro, like and you know your shit, yes, you can individually feed your plants a little bit more and try to read them. And but I don't like to overfeed and look for burnt tips. You've already burnt the tips. It's like, what the fuck is the point of that? Just you know, you can learn a plant over time. But at the same time, if you just keep it low and avoid week five, six, bud hardeners and blasters and all that other shit, your weed's going to taste way better. taste like it should. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I grow weed. That's how I grow weed in a
0: warehouse commercially. It's in the SOP, like five steps. So uh, I kind of wonder that too. As I said around the community, it strains that
1: are bred in a certain way, say, organics environment, I don't know if that's how your mothers and fathers are kept in like an organics medium. Mm-hmm. So if, like say, your strains bred out, seeds are produced all in organics, and then the next phase, the you know, uh, salts guy, you know, cocoa uh, salt guy, gets it. And, uh, and I can't help but wonder if that's the hermie there the next gen kind of taking it out of its comfort zone Sure. feed out
2: i follow your logic at the same time but um yeah i mean environments are everything right the way people grow weed is everything and a lot of guys use salts and a lot of guys use high ppms and a lot of guys you know i said i've said this before but the funniest thing some guy told me back in the day was our closets are the same size as your closets and it's true in the sense that everyone's got a closet but the condition inside the closet is everything like your humidity is not going to be the same. Your PPMs are not going to be the same, uh, that you're feeding, you know, everything changes. So it's really hard to recreate what I'm doing, even as I'm breeding it, the genetics may be there, but you know, I'm sure many people know like pass your clone to somebody, let him grow it. You grow at the same time, come back and check it. They're going to be totally different. We have a contest here in Colorado. I think it's made its way around called the grow off where we pass everybody the same cut, not us specifically, but the contest passes everybody the same clone and um, they don't know what it is. It's a mystery clone. And they say, all right, 50 shops, all grow it and we're going to have a contest and we're going to test it. And it's all, that one's all done based on testing as the winner as opposed to consumption. But uh, if you see the poster of the strain that they submitted, the poster doesn't look like the same weed and it's 50 different pictures of weed and none of them look the same. And that should tell you something that, you know, it's it's all about your environments. Uh, and almost no two grows have the exact same environment. It's just really hard to do.
0: So as creator of Bruce Banner
1: number three, uh, what, was you, what would you be looking like if you were running the stream as far as when to pull it? You know, a lot of that, people that, it's a weird subject for people, you know, clear to cloudy that cloudy a little bit to amber i myself like to see things a little bit more on the amber side hit that swell that's my natural hardener right there Why well, when i want to add something to the plant to, hard, to harden it when i know the swell is coming later right. on yeah.
2: yeah i like the amber too i like my cow i like my shit couch loppy. i think it's a personal preference um for people that you know a little bit cloudy if you want to be a little bit if you like a little bit more uppity, but I like my shit, like sink me in the couch, like as narcotic as I can get it. But I would also say, as far as Bruce Banner specifically, go 10 weeks. So many people are like cut it at eight weeks. It totally looks done at eight weeks, but it's not done in eight weeks. You have to go 10 weeks, otherwise you're not going to get the right turf profiles If you see Bruce Banner that looks and tastes and smells like hay, and it's hay weed or whatever, that's eight week Bruce Banner. You literally have to go 10 weeks, um, but also check your trikes. And I prefer... A little bit of amber but again i don't think there's a right or wrong answer there it's all about body chemistry personal choice and um grow it two three four times or two three four plants and cut them at different intervals label your jars and see how your body chemistry reacts to each each different harvest chop.
1: mike denver and chet says uh ask him about the dirty hippie string cheese incident stories
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so mike shout out mike denver uh yeah i mean we kind of talked touched on it a little bit before but um i i'm from colorado um all i wanted to do after graduating high school was play video games and smoke pot and listen to music and i grew up listening to the string cheese incident and jam band type of stuff so at one point i went on the road as like a roadie if you will or whatever, and traveled on tour and sold grilled cheeses and bottled waters and all that shit. And went, you know, road to road and, or, or town to town. And uh, yeah, that was sort of the start of also like seeing lots of different cannabis in different places among many other drugs, but it was like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, Tennessee's got this kind of weed. cali has got this kind of weed. We, we knew if we went to San Fran, we were getting fired, but we knew if we for in Albuquerque. It was going to be tricky. But then again, our closets are the same size as your closets. So I remember walking into people sometimes in a parking lot in the middle of fucking Kansas City, and you'd be like, holy shit, you have the fire sour or OG or wherever it may be. And it's like, what? Like, how do you have this here? You're from here? Like, so it doesn't necessarily matter where. But yeah, anyway, I um, I used to be a Wook, but I never really had dreads or did any of that shit. I just uh, enjoyed the music, went on the road. But I do have this recollection of, getting super high one time and being at a show and looking around and being like, I've done this for like two or three years. I've traveled around. I don't want to be like a hippie burnout. I'm going to college. So that's why I was a non-traditional freshman. And I went to college and decided to do it all. You know, I was like live on my own and had a dog and had to grow and paid my own way through school entirely, you know, by myself and sat in the front row because I paid for it with cash that I earned So I was just like, all right, like, I'm here to learn. I'm here to do something with this. But, uh, yeah, Uh, rambling there. String cheese.
0: Sounds like a pretty good time. Good experience
1: in life right
2: there. (laughs) I would recommend any youngster to go on the road with some band for a while. It's fun.
1: Yeah, good life experience. I agree. Um uh, modern genetics in chat has said he's running a Bruce Banner with lemon turps. He wants to know is that a true uh Bruce Banner turp?
2: Yeah, we've seen it pop out within the genetics, so not initially on like on like the uh first cross that I created where I made the original Bruce Banner from like way back in 07, I believe, or whatever I said. Um But um, no, on the uh, um, original Bruce Banner seed crosses that we've seen, I have seen a few lemon chirps myself come out when I do large phenol runs of it. So I'm not a 1,000% sure where that lemon started creeping creeping out from, but uh, it's not really present in the Bruce Banner 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. It's not present in the first batch of uh, original – or I'm sorry, the the original creation of Bruce Banner, but it is present in the original Bruce Banner seed. So – yeah, within the depths of there, there's some recessive lemon traits.
1: Mike chat would like to know: uh, Have you ever created anything uh, that you feel is as good as uh, Bruce Banner number three? You know, and I agree with that. Just because the masses, you know, he said it, you one-hit wonder. You compared yourself to that, but I don't. You know, I don't. I think I don't think that's a bullshit comparison. To be honest with you. Well, it's every. It's just. It's know, hard to beat. Perspective. That thing.
2: It's hard to beat. Uh, you know. It's like, I, I feel how, I can imagine a one-hit wonder may feel when the strain gets that big, that quick, and goes like that crazy. It's hard to have anything overshine it ever, like, again. Um, and and the way the world is now too, the way High Times is, and how High Times has changed their model and. everything got social media and Instagram and all like this was all before there was a million channels, a million podcasts, a million shows, a million feeds to look on Instagram where you get all this crazy information. There's before Facebook, it was just like plow. Here's the magazine, the whole weed world looks at. So it was like in your fucking face, big strain. Whereas now I don't know that you can really recreate those like, like media moments where it's like, if you put a strain in there on the cover or a centerfold, or it just got, you know, beautiful photo, even in high times, it could trigger everything for you and jumpstart everything. So, and I don't know that that can happen anymore. I'm to say that, you know, high times won't ever return to glory, but it's a f- shell of what it once was. And now they're just a chain of dispensaries in California that run weird cups and they don't really do the events anymore. And I'm not sure, but to answer your question, have I made anything that I think is better? It's hard to say. Cause it's like, you know, they're all your children, although I have like, I don't know, 50 or 60 crosses I've released at this point. So it's hard to be like, oh, that one's better than this one. But really, yes, yeah, some are better than others. And I would say right now, I'm really into the slobber knocker. Um, I just did like another 60 Fino run of it just to make F2s. And As I was going through it, I found three distinct Finos. I found a really purple Fino. I found a red Fino. And, a, and then there was also just a, a deep green Fino. But it was like, totally identifiable it was like oh okay there's purple red green and it was like an idiot could fucking figure out what to do from here i was just like all right the purple ones were phenomenal they taste purple and what what slobber knocker is everybody's skittles to purple starburst to thanos what thanos is is skittles to bitch slap so if you want to get technical the family tree skittles purple starburst uh skittles to bitch slap which is kosher oz to oz so there's skittles in it about six fucking times to kosher to the oz to kush which is more og which is more kosher i'm sorry um so it's a bunch of kosher and a bunch of skittles hit to each other with a bunch with some purple in there with the the purple starburst comes out and it's just like or uh, it adds something to it that's like okay here's the purple terps on top of the skittles and some of the og back in but to my point I love that weed. I think that weed is phenomenal. And I have this weird feeling that as I cultivate this strain out further, release it to F3 because the F1s was a very limited release, maybe 100 packs. The F2, I'm just going to keep for myself. The F3 will release after this. But I'm like, all right, this, you know, I'll even release some of the best cuts that I find because I know how the the world works now. And it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if Slobberknocker isn't a super kick-ass strain four years from now. That's how long it fucking takes for these to trickle out Around to all these different spots for people to find the phenos amongst the seeds. And then in about four years from now, you're going to see batches of hash and I don't know, fucking cuts and flour and slobber knocker, I think will be big in four years, but it's like maybe not even four, maybe two to three, but uh, it's certainly going to take time. And I could be wrong because maybe I love it. This has happened before. I'm like, I love this shit. And I put it out and I'm like, don't you love this world? And they're like, no, dude, like, it, you know, we don't, we don't like it the way you like it. So I was like, all right, I'll, I, I'll smoke it. I still like it, but so, um, yeah. That's why it's sort of like music. Not every song you make, even though if you dig it, like, they're going to like it. So uh, I'll relate it to that. But knocker, to answer your question, I think that one's going to be a banger.
1: I can relate to a couple of things you said there. You know, uh, first first and foremost, I believe you're right on the four-year mark there. Uh, well, uh, I don't even think that's right, to be honest with you. I think it's a little bit you know, longer than that because you've got to put in the work first. You know what I mean? You've got uh, your time plus the four years. You know, And that's one of the things I bet when you hear people... I don't bitch. When I hear people bitch about a pack of seeds or, you know, for a cut... Or the pack of seeds, it's like man, well, you don't you don't realize what's into a proper work strain before it's the oh I gotta have it, you know what I mean? Sure. People's tested it. You've had it for you've worked it forever. You put your heart and soul past it to other people. Oh man, there's a lot of work into that initial fucking getting it out there where everybody loves that shit. I mean, and then on top of that. I, will go ahead. Now I would say, say I, would yeah. say,
2: I, I so. preach this all the time but this is why the state of cannabis j- seeds suck right now like because there is no incentive for breeders to take things to f4 to do the long work and stabilize it out because it takes a couple of years and by the time I get it done you know that strain isn't even hot anymore or whatever I use to make it isn't even the hot shit anymore because it's already fucking old news and you're not willing to pay like three, $400 for the pack because of all the work that went in through it. You know what I mean? Or $500 for this pack because this is F4 and stable or F8 and stable or F7 or whatever. And it's really locked in and we know someone's done a lot of the long work some people out there would be like, yeah, I'll pay a premium for that. I understand what you guys are doing, but the average customer, you got to think about the average dipshit on Instagram that's scrolling through. And he's like, Oh, I'm buying seeds today. I want to buy this. Oh, this, this looks purple and good. It's like, he doesn't know shit. You know what I mean? And he's not going, he's going to look at a pack of seeds and go, Oh, this one over here is 40 bucks and it's some F1 to F1 crap or whatever that some dude puts out. Or there's like, Oh, this one over here is 600, but it says F8 next to it or whatever. It's just like, we, we'd go out of business if that was the way that i wish that was the way the seed world worked but uh, we'd go out of business if that's the way it was and it's crazy because that's the way the seed world was back in like the late 80s early 90s and then it just fell apart into like fakeries and now into f1 madness because if a clone becomes hot if we don't race to reverse it and put it out then like you're gonna miss the window on making any money you know it's like no one wants to use the shit that was hot three years ago and be like, oh, I just came to market with this dude. They're like, you're late to the game, bro. These other guys over here have already created a fucking market hype fucking clone only and then put it out, reversed it, sold the packs and it's all junk as in like you F1 crapped it or you fucking reverse plop some shit out and put it out and it's like, yeah, and everyone bit into that bullshit. And that's where we've been for like two or three, four years where people just like cat chasing their tail. Like we're not really breeding anything cool, new, and dope. Some guys still do it, but the the value behind it isn't there. So it's you know integrity and ethics, I guess, to try to do your best to release the best quality shit that you can, or just selectively choose the guys that are doing the long work. But uh, no, it's um it's like hype beast world. You gotta fucking keep releasing a new collab with Supreme style, where it's like just fucking. Slap this logo on it, slap that logo on it, repackage it, rebrand it, whatever it may be, but let's get it out. And oh, by the way, you know, breeders used to release, I don't know, serious seeds has what, 12 fucking strains for 30 years since seeds had fucking 10 for, I don't know, 20 fucking years. And, you know, it's like, then you get into the 2000s and all the breeders of fly by night Instagram breeders and shit. I'm not talking shit to anyone directly, but just fly by night Instagram breeders and whatnot. It's like you got fucking a strain dropping every three weeks, bro. And if it's every three weeks and you're, you know, even dark horse, just stay relevant to continue to do it. I put out over 60 fucking strains to this time. When I started, I thought I would be 60 strains from my career. But if I, you know, if I don't continue to put out new shit and push the envelope on some stuff, then we'll just get washed away. So the game has changed. The game has changed.
1: Uh, man, I agree with everything you said. And sadly, I know it sounds kind of suck-ass, but it's true though. I've said that for a long, long period of time that I, I want I what I want to see is more what you said it used to be like in your opinion is when I buy a pack, I want to know where it's at in the breeding phase. I want to know if it's an F1, F2, F3, F4, F5, F6. Well, I want to know. I want to know where my money is so I can plan on what I'm going to get. You know, uh, you're right. There is hype's going to kill everything. (laughs) I hate hype times hype times hype. It just... (laughs) It's sad, you know, like you said, you know, it used to be quality breeders. I'm proud about this strain. I've worked it out many years, but now people, it's a too big of a money thing for a lot of people. They see a quick jump on and it's, it's sad. It's it's really sad. Right now is the time, in my opinion, with science catching up, even though I don't, I don't agree with the phylos aspect of it all, but it's a good time to figure out some shit. You know what's real, what's not real, and then fucking work forward. You know with that. You know what I mean? Correctly, you know, label it chronically, chronically, eh, chronically everything correctly. Excuse me about that. No, I got you. as we go along. And um, I've
2: thought about this for a while, actually, man. And I, it needs to be, in my opinion, it needs to be a form of AKC. Many will probably say in the dog world, the AKC, like I'm talking about dogs, but uh, the American Kennel Club, uh, the AKC world, probably the dog people will probably say, that's a fucked up corrupt organization. I really don't know, but I can only imagine. But it's something along where it's like purebred. It has papers. If you, It has the lineage and it's traced. If you'd like to breed with this and you want to buy it for me and you want to breed with it, I have two sets of papers. It's like, okay, it's 2000 a pack if you intend to breed. And it comes with full certification of papers with lineage, or it's, uh, you know, a hundred dollars for home use or whatever the fuck it may be. And you don't get the papers. You can still breed with it, but it's not going to be pure bread down the line, you know, where you can follow the track, the papers and everything. And it needs to be set up in a sense where, you know, I guess somehow just like they do dogs where you create classes, families, you show all the breeds that you can and, um, Every year you introduce new breeds into the AKC, if you will. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but it seems to me we almost need to figure out how the dog world works and sort of mimic what they're doing. That way we can paper up strains and you can say, I have a purebred bred Bruce Banner strain here. Here's the paperwork, you know, kind of thing.
1: I I completely agree with that too. I've said that for a long time as well. I've had a cut that I had what thought was special to me when the nine pound I would I got testers from sub of the nine pound hammer before it was released. There was genetic change after it was released, and I had a pheno that I thought was good, special at least to me. And I asked whoever I gave it to, not to pass it along to anybody, you know like you would and if you did please ask me first right and you know almost like pay that's and in my opinion that's the way it should be so there's some kind of trace back you know the person that started with could be like oh yeah who'd you get it from uh-huh yeah i don't think so <laughs> you gotta pay for that <laughs> i don't yeah. think so yeah. You know,
2: it loses but, its value if it's not papered. all of a sudden, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I, I would hate to see it go the other way where people are like, let's put markers in plants because I don't want to see that because that leads to patents and I own this and I own that. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, you don't need to own it. You know, nobody owns the St. Bernard breed line. It's just the breed line. You know what I mean? You have papers saying your St. Bernard is real, but you don't own all St. Bernards. You know what I mean? So I'm just sort of like, if you start putting trackers or DNA genetic markers and shit and stuff, that way you can see bread right out down the line. Like, Oh, it looks like here you have one tenth Bruce banner in your cross and you owe me fucking, I don't know, royalties for one tenth of every seed you've ever sold. By the way, here's my lawsuit. It's like, man, fuck all that noise. It's like, but can we have it in a, in a sense where it's like, yeah, I don't know. Again, back to the dog thing. I just think that markers is a horrible thing. Because it leads to like ownership of strains, whereas AKC is like no, it's a class of a dog or it's a breed of dog and your dog is authentic, but you don't own the entire breed of dog.
1: I don't know if royalty like thing would be correct. I think you know I think that was uh, tip of the hat thing. You know what I mean? I used your gear to create this this type of strain.
2: Right. But it'll be abused. Well, I might say, sure, bro, go ahead. Tip of the hat. Appreciate it. I see it's in there. Great. Even, you know, put a little thing on the pack. Dark horse. Love you. But somebody else would be like, motherfucker, I want money. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, it's going to get more cutthroat down the line. Whereas it'll get more cutthroat than it'll get more friendly. I'll tell you that moving forward.
1: Well, one of the other things and like I said, I, I'm still a little leery of like the, the general bank of genetics and like the markers, like you say. But I am excited about uh, the point where we are with like tissue culture. Uh, say, we, we we figure out what the fuck we got. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like uh, breeders like yourself are able to tissue culture some of your mom and pop so, like, if you ever have to recreate, you don't, you've got the exact same stock. You can move forward with other things you find and not necessarily have to house mom and pop. You could always tissue culture it back, but not have to do like a phenol hunt. Yeah. You know I mean, uh, and Cause as you know, I mean, even with the, the second uh, recreation of Bruce Banner there, even though you've got close genetics there, unless you really, Popped and fished, uh, found a brother out of that very same first pack. You know, it's hard to accurately recreate a strain from, you know, popping packs. Even even you as a breeder, I would think, would still have some trouble recreating. Going, yeah, yeah that's what I looked for in dad, and that was close to mom. You know, what right? I mean? But no, if you could tissue culture now and bring them back, you well, can bring back kick-ass same seeds forever couldn't you or do they do they in theory yeah. that's another question i have for you is how much is like in humans every time mom and dad make a child that batch is that child that batch is different do you see that in seeds To where like say you make one huge batch of seeds and you release them and then you use the exact same mother and father again impregnate her will that that next batch of seeds even though they're not the, will there be a variation there in your it opinion? won't be
2: like identical like batch, like the seeds won't be identical If it was like 300 seeds and they all and you popped all 300 and then charted every identical or all the traits in all 300 then you recreate the, the cross and did it again you would have 300 seeds but they wouldn't be Identical in everything that you just did. But essentially, what you're saying is, is like on the F1, yeah, you get to see a, a hybrid mix of it all. On the F2, you see 25% mother, 25% father, 50% hybrid. F3, 75, 25. F4, you're supposed to be all big X, little X, or whatever, stabilize it out where you, your dominant or your recessive is completely stable across the line in theory. But um, no, yeah, if I follow you, I think, yeah, it, if you recreated from the F1 stock, it's essentially be like your mother and father just having more children over and over again and over and over again and over and over again and over and over again. again. You know what I mean? So you have all brothers and sisters, but you wouldn't have an identical brother or all, you know, the next batch of 10 kids wouldn't be identical to your first brothers and sisters of 10 kids. Identical in genetics possibly, but not identical in, um, you know, like appearance and all that, like their carriers
1: will be the same.
0: All right. I'm thinking clearing that
1: up because I that's that would have been my opinion that they would have been super similar. But,
2: but to uh, your to your point about tissue culture, just real quick, um, I do think that you're exactly right. Like tissue culture is kind of the future as far as even genetic breeding, because they'll essentially be able to splice genetics without doing pollinations through tissue cultures and in labs, um, and you know, genetics and crispers and other kind of things. So pollination will probably be a thing of the past within 10 to 20 years, if not even that long. And it'll become some sort of micro propagation um, techniques that take over as far as genetics. But uh, I will say this much, it makes me sound like a bit of a dipshit, not so much me, but I think it just goes to show how hard tissue culture is. I don't want to say anyone's name, but we hired two different guys. Uh, I had a, I had a lab in my, my grow and we converted it to tissue culture and we got the hood and the sterile all the sterile stuff and everything clean the steam cleaning equipment everything that we could to make this the most sterile clean room possible it was a clean room and we hired a guy fresh out of college to come in and run the tissue culture lab and he has successfully done tissue cultures for years in his college university setting and knew what the fuck he was doing and talking about and as soon as we brought him in and told him to start tissue culture in cannabis the dude was having a million problems. He was having problems with mold growing in the substrate or whatever it's called. And he was having just I mean, every kind of, he was trying every technique he'd possibly learned in school and all the rest. And I was just like, yeah, you're, you're struggling. So I don't, I don't want to, I mean, while the science is there and someone can absolutely do it, we also got a second guy that did it. And for other reasons, I should say more Morgan technique, he struggled to get any tissue culture to work at all. So I watched two guys kind of struggle And I was just like, man, this is not, I'm not an expert. I already know I'm not an expert. So I hired some and watched them and I watched them fail. And I was like, Holy shit. Like this is not uh, a walk in the park yet. And uh, it's not something that you can just easily do. You know, Oh, I have a big dirty grow behind me. I have, you know, a lab over there and you got to walk through this door and you come in and here's a sealed off area. And this is a tissue culture room. It's like, no, I think you got to do this stuff in some serious laboratory environments, incredibly clean, everything else. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky, and it's going to be uh, the future, but it's also just hard. Let me just leave it there. It's fucking hard.
1: <laughs> so how did you come up with uh, the name Dark Force? I'm, I'm curious on that.
2: Um, it's kind of a long story, but <clears throat> I'll give you the cliff notes version. So that first dispensary that I mentioned in Colorado that I started, that was called Delta 9. That's also why if anybody that's confused about Delta nine and Bruce banner, there's a Delta nine seeds, which is in Amsterdam, it's Ed Borg. He's actually a friend of mine and he's always really cool and directs people back to our course, but, uh, people think Delta nine made Bruce banner, but Delta nine was actually the name of the shop that I had when I released Bruce banner. But regardless, Delta nine was my first dispensary in 2011. Um, they made us two shotgun marriages in Colorado where, they passed HB1284, which was his aim was to get rid of 70% of the dispensaries. We were totally unlicensed. Everyone was running wild doing that bodega style slash consignment model, pond stars model. Like every, there was shops, every, there was 800 shops. There was more shops than Starbucks in Denver. So the, the, the government people were like, well, fuck this. We got to shut out 70% of these down. So their thing was you had to marry, become vertically integrated. You had to marry your dispensary to a grow. And my whole thing at that time was like, I'm not going to do a warehouse. I Weed grows better in basements. Warehouse weed always sucks. So I'd rather have five to 10 grow houses across this city and blow up the basements. And I'll get the weed from there for my dispensaries. All my lawyers were telling me, like, you can't fucking do that. That's not ever going to be legal when things come around to being regulated. But I was like, I don't care. I, this is how I run my shit. I'm 23 and I think I know everything and I don't know shit. But uh, I did that. And, um, in July of 2011, they came and they said, okay, you have to be vertically integrated now and you have to be in a warehouse. No more home grows, none of that shit. And I was like, okay, well, my plan totally backfired. didn't listen to the lawyers. So they gave us, I think it was 60 days to figure out to what we're going to do. So all the grows in the city and all the dispensaries in the city had to partner up because it was all, everyone was individual. It was like, how do we tie everything together? So it was all about trying to be the prettiest girl at the ball and show you like yeah, we were a really good shop so everybody came through like we want to part we want you to be our, our our shop and we'll be the grow and we'll partner we'll grow your strains and anyway i picked a fucking <clears throat> complete scumbag asshole we came in and he's like uh he's like uh, here's the deal jay he's like i'm gonna so like, don't you have to worry about money at all ever again he's like i'm gonna build you your taj mahal of grows whatever you want me to build i'll build it for you and um he's like uh you're gonna get 33 percent of uh three stores. And if it like, it's like, just sign over control of your store, go down to 33% of this store. He's like, and I'll give you 33% of the other three stores and then you'll have your grow. We'll run the store. And I was like, all right, I found my partner, right? Like my suitor, I figured it out. Well, like three weeks later, he like had ripped up the contract that my 23 old dipshit ass had sign unnotarized said it didn't exist. Changed the locks on the place said that, you know, like I made a bad, he convinced the landlord to sign a new lease illegally somehow in his name said that I like was out of the business or something. And anyway, he basically totally screwed me. And like, I uh, (laughs) went away and I was pissed and fucking like, I think I was in Hawaii. I quit the business altogether because I was like, man, these people are all fucking scumbags. And I literally had a store that was doing millions of dollars and I was going to convert it into something. And I thought that I was set for life only to find out a few weeks later that I was locked out, genetics stolen. You know, I didn't have any of it. None of it was true. Essentially. And um, yeah, uh, I was sitting in the beach in Hawaii, pissed off. I remember. So I fired off an uh, vet, uh, email to one of the investors of the, of the group of this guy. And he seemed like a nice guy. So when I fired him an email, I was just like, Did you know that that guy locked me out of my warehouse, stole everything, didn't ripped up my contracts that I didn't exist? Now I have a lawyer and I had to sue him in civil court to, you know, in civil suit to basically try to get the store back and everything's all fucked up. And he's like, I didn't know that, but he's like, we're actually doing a class action lawsuit against that scumbag too. He's like, and all these people have been ripped off millions of dollars from that guy. And he had a whole list of people that he would scammed across the country. And I was like, what the fuck? So yeah, I was like, I don't want to be in your guys' lawsuit because I'm doing my own. But um, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. And uh, that guy took me to dinner and he's like, you know, Jay, he's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with all these fucking people. He's like, but, uh, I don't trust him at all. He's like, but I trust you. And uh, he's like, I need a horse in this race. I really need a horse in this race. And I was like, dude, I don't want to be in weed. I'm fucking done with this shit. All these dudes are scumbags and liars and crooks and it's con man. And I literally don't want to fucking do this shit anymore and turned him down like three or four times. And, um, and then eventually kept calling me and he kind of was giving me the whole blank checkbook thing. Like whatever you need to do, you can build it, whatever you want. And I remember I went to the cannabis cup somewhere And I saw them selling seeds and I saw them doing a booth and I was like, you know what you get, the grass is always greener on the other side. I'll tell you that right now, because when I started, when I was out, I was looking at the other side being like, man, I need to be in weed. Look at all these people making a billion dollars in sales in Colorado. I was like, I got to get over there, you know? And then when you're in weed, you're like, dude, I wish I could just grow weed in my basement and play video games all day. It was so fucking easy. Like every life was way better. So there's there's no taxes and all the other bullshit I got to go through and hoops and regulations. So I don't know when I was out, I was looking like I need to get back in, but I saw the booth, the seed company, all that stuff. And I was just like, you know, I am the Bruce Banner guy. I was like, I'm probably going to, you know, I want to release the seed of this Bruce Banner, put it out. I'd like to become work on like releasing some of my selected phenos and put it out. So I was like, I'd like to become a breeder and do it. But if I'm going to do it, I'd like to do it in metric in Colorado and do it in a warehouse and build it all legal. Cause I know what's legal now. And, um, I, yeah, the guy called me up and he's like, I still need that horse in this race. And I was like, well, we're calling it dark horse genetics. And I was like, I'm your horse and you're going to fund me. And this is what I need. You build this warehouse and I'm going to put in four breeding rooms and we're going to make our shit and I'm going to sell the seeds and we're going to do our thing. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. My investor found me by not being a piece of shit, by being one of the only ethical people in a sea of fucking dog shit. And, um, sometimes it's, you know, you don't have to beg for the money. They just come to you because you're honest, I guess, in a sea of fucking crap. But yeah, dark, long story. But Dark Horse is named after my investor really needing a fucking horse in this race, apparently. And uh, he picked me, he horsed up me.
1: Great story, brother. It's shitty, shitty that it happened to you, but it's a great story that you push through, you know. And uh, I'm glad you pushed through, man. I, fucking people can fucking be fucking frustrating sometimes and something like that could really really fucking make you not want to deal with people so i'm glad you were stayed somewhat optimistic and pushed on yeah and so i I. had to ask i had to ask you know there's (laughs) well the dark horse things you know puts out a mystique like thing anyway there's always that (laughs) mystique around the dark horse
2: I mean, I would say this to all the strain names I have up until recently, because we've, I mean, gotten quite a bit of them, but I would say all the strain names I have all have a secret meaning. So everything I ever did, everything I ever named, it was a pun on something. It was a secret meaning. It was a dig at somebody or someone, or it was an inside joke about something. Most every strain I have is an inside joke, including a lot of them to this day. A few of them I just named because I like them, but almost all of them have something to do. And I Will not disclose most of why or what they are, who or what they're about. But uh, yeah, they all mean something to me.
1: That's funny. Well, I guess it would be back up to uh, uh, Ned Deffer's question. There, he's wanting to know the difference between Hulkomania and Savage Hulk. So, uh, Banner three and
2: Banner five. Um, the, the uh Hulkamania is Banner three. And the Savage is Banner 5. I think, personally, the, ban- uh, the Savage uh, turned out a little bit better on that cross. I spoke earlier in the show about Romeo and Juliet from the guy JLP and how he did the same cross two ways, kind of. That was sort of a nod to him when I was like, I wonder what one would be better. I was like, if we do, you know, the Banner 3 or the Banner 5. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that cross in particular, it's uh, my three favorite strains – Uh, dosi banner skittles and um again the banner was the um uh i'm sorry the uh the banners were the female on that side so i had the banner three and the banner five and then uh we hit i think it was uh i'm gonna fuck this up too not in-house but uh it was in-house but he did a dosi dosi skittles fuck i'm fucking it up but somebody did the dosie skittles and um damn it's gonna to come to me in a second regardless but i used that mail i found a really pretty decent mail out of there but it was a shortcut cheat sheet because like i'd like to use my own mails and generally most of the crosses that i make or i try to in the future here but i saw that and i was just like dude skittles dosie and you know good phenos of a couple of different males, good clusters in the males. i was like i'm hitting this to the banner i had hit this to the banner i guarantee you this is going to be good and i did and like i said the uh the Savage, I think, is phenomenal. There's like these Skittles, Phenols that come out of it. It yields way better, clones way easier um, than Skittles. And uh, yeah, there's also like a little bit of dozy phenos that come out. The, the banners I would call recessive on the Savage. But on the Hulkamania, the banner kind of dominates. The banner 3 dominates. The OG takes over more. So there's not as many Skittles, phenos on that. But it yields way better, way chunkier. Um, both resin Monsters, and both make pretty good hash, but... That, those were limited releases, that's for sure. Like, we didn't we didn't release that in large quantity.
0: Mr. Chad
1: Westport and Chad uh, would like to know, where did you get the genetics to start back up? Where did I
2: get genetics to start up? Sorry, one more time.
1: Uh, he's asking, where did you get genetics to start back up? I'm guessing after being locked out.
2: Um, oh, as far as the stuff. warehouse and all that other stuff. Yeah. At that time. Um, again, I wasn't a breeder at that time. So my, um, the deal that we had on that was I was, I went into a warehouse that was already there. It was supposed to be retrofitted into something else. So I had brought in what was hot in that time, like some Wi-Fi OG, Fuck, maybe he's an OG, but, um, yeah, I had all the stuff at my house also. So I shouldn't say lost all my genetics, just being locked out of my genetics, but at that place, yeah, I wouldn't consider anything I had there like stupid fire. Well, I did have my OGE and my Juliet and all the other stuff, but those guys had no idea what they had in those plants for never made it beyond that anyway. But as far as those plants, yeah, I definitely had all my stuff. I've always had my best shit multiple backed up, like multiple, multiple backed up from the very beginning. If I find something that I know is good, I give it to a few of my closest friends over the past 20 years. And I'm like, "Yo, yep, put this in your vault, put this in your mother room, whatever. My Even even some of my family members, I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) I actually lost Bruce Banner 3 at one point and had to get it back from a family member in Missouri, of all people. I was just like, dude, my my cut is not there. I need to come get it from you. I gave it to you directly like six years ago. I'm coming to your doorstep in three days. Need my cut.
0: Hell yeah.
1: Captain 420 uh, would like me to ask you, <clears throat> if you let banner go in michigan in like 2014 2015
2: for a test for a test um i don't specifically remember like going to banner or michigan to like sell clones or anything but i almost guarantee you in 14 well it would have to be in the inner circle for the cut to get out at that time but it's possible certainly is possible But uh, yeah, 14, that was when it was pretty held pretty tight. Honestly, it could have been right when it was first starting to get released and got made its way around. But no, I never personally like showed up in Michigan, like at a cannabis cup or something. It was like clones for sale under my my tent or something like I've never pulled that move in Michigan. So any cuts there just made their way there. And I'm not, I can't really tell you exactly how or how or why
0: or who. So i have heard that you do like to pick your own males.
1: Uh, How important do you feel that the male is to the breeding project? And uh, what are you looking for?
2: Um, When I say I like to make my own males, I just think it it avoids controversy. Um, Like if you grab someone, if you just buy a pack of somebody and then grab their male and hit it to every clone on the market, it's lazy. It's like you didn't really do anything. Um, so I think developing a strain, I mean, you have to start there. I'm not saying you can't do that, but to sell that pack and then just continue, that's your business model is to buy, you know, seeds and then grab a mail out of something and then hit it to every hot clone only that you can find and put all those seeds out. It's not really breeding as much as it is just sort of putting shit out nonstop or whatever. But if you can then skip that step or you do that step of skip selling it and then go through those seeds and you find some unique male so it's your it's it's so-and-so's dude shit to this dude shit but it's a male of that and those seeds never were on market anywhere it's like look i i created this male i'm a step removed from just using everyone's shit um i think it's a little safer in the world of i don't know getting especially if you're starting if you're trying to enter the marketplace like yeah don't enter the marketplace with a bunch of other people's genetics as your males Enter with your own males. But as far as selecting your males, um, that's everything to me. I think breeding is, I mean, we all know what the female side is. We all know what the clone always are. We all know they're good for the most part. We know if they wash, we don't, we know, we know if they herm. We know exactly what's up on the female side. So it's pretty fucking easy to, just, you know, have one side of the cross dialed into what you're looking for. Uh, the male side is everything because you need really good, you know, flower formations. You need good structure, you need a good stem rub, fucking stem rub, but it is a thing. So you're trying to get any kind of fucking smell off of it that you can, which is more about structure and internode spacing. You don't want males that go, all males want to be taller than the canopy, so they generally shoot up tall, right? Like, that's the thing in males. They want to be above the females to drop the pollen on top of them. But you don't want males that just shoot six-inch length, internode length, or something like that, where you get little clusters every six to 12 inches, and you get these tall, lengthy plants because it's going to breed through to the females so you're looking for males that have shorter internode length that have good cluster flower formations males still form the flower it's just the pollen sacs so you want those to be tight in little balls and as they go up um, but uh, yeah um, structure pollen sacs um, even a little stem rub and uh, also with males you got to work backwards so you save multiple males and then you do the crosses And then you smoke the weed and you say, Oh shit. Okay. This male contributed this to the cross. This male contributed that to the cross. Then you go backwards and you use which male after you decide what the fuck, the only way to do it is to do the work and then go backwards. A lot of people don't understand that, but it's like, if I have three males or two males, I'm going to cross this to the same clone only with three different males. And I'm going to fucking get those seeds, grow those out, look at those and say, okay, I know which male I like better because Look at what happened when I did this. You can run the same project three different ways, if that makes sense to people.
1: Oh, it makes uh, perfect sense to me. Uh, So with that being said, uh, how much is there a secret sweet spot on producing like uh, uh, higher fem seed? i I shouldn't i shouldn't say that's a wrong way to say that uh a better a seed population with more chances that are females you know what i mean is there a secret does environment play into that or does
2: it can i've read that it can but to kind of answer your question no um and like maybe people don't understand this but almost all bag seed that they get if you find a seed in your bag at the dispensary your homie you so just sack or whatever the fuck it is it's almost always female and if it's female it's almost always herm because herm seeds produce 100 percent female seeds always you know what i mean so um when you talk about higher chance of female you talk about using potentially hermaph- hermaphrodite pollen or intersex pollen kind of thing will always give you the females for sure now we're not i'm not talking about reversing using silver and other things you know to reverse i'm just talking about within the pollen that potentially could do that but uh, as a general question no i've read things i could be speaking out of school here and don't know my science i've read things where different light cycles will produce more females at seed and um, seeds don't know seeds don't have a sex until a certain day of flower So there's a certain time period which seed with the sex is actually determined. So if you increase phosphorus, you can get more seed within the soil or the the nutrients. Or if you increase heat, you have heard it. Um, But again, I think a lot of this is urban legend type of stuff. And if someone has the data, then I'll eat crow. You know, I could be totally fucking wrong. But uh, no, man, you just you got to pop the seeds and see what you get. Now, feminized seeds, totally different thing. If you use silver, silver, you perform reversals. then yeah, you're going to get a shit ton of Feminized seeds, you know, that's how that works.
1: I, I I understand all that, but we've been talking about that lately. It's like, uh, just the, what are the odds, you know, is there a, is, because I, I, we've talked about like, I've, I've popped seeds where I've gotten five out of five males. So does that mean that, you know, uh, the male carried a heavy male, male trait? What is it? It carried the heavy Y and just drowned out all possibility during pollination. You know what I mean? I, yeah, these I saw you. are going to be male. You know but what I mean? To That's me, why I'm asking, does condition maybe play into that or is there a It's pot? certainly
2: possible, but to me, I think you're talking about sitting down at the blackjack table, losing 10 hands in a row going, this can't be, you know what I mean? And it's like, it can be, you can also win 10 in a row. You know what I mean? And it's a course of time. So if you were to pop 500 of those seeds or a thousand of those seeds, I don't think your ratio would hold true. It's just when you get it down to the micro scale size of a singular pack, I think sometimes you lose that lottery. You know what I mean? Um, oh, man, but I hate I, to think that that again,
1: the case. That's bad luck right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but again, dude, I mean people will probably argue blue in the face and I don't have the data and I've never really experimented to do my own controls and variables and I don't really have the data for it but uh yeah I I, you know I'm sure environmentals can play with sex a little bit you know I know for a fact fucking with the light can produce herms we already know that you know what I mean so yes environment can stress stress can you know potentially have a factor on sex um but again I'm speaking out of school on this I you know I'm I'm this is my theories.
1: Right on, right on. Well, I've got, I've got questions, and I've got a great, you know, award-winning breeder in front of me. I can't, I can't help but uh, ask a few
0: questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, how we look in here? We're coming up on the two-hour mark. You said we could go, you know, one and a half, maybe two. I just want to yeah. kind of touch. Maybe tell
2: Maybe tell like uh... Roughly midnight my time, or 11, 11.45-ish my time. 15, 20 more minutes or whatever, I think I can hang with you. But, yeah, I apologize, everybody. I don't think I could do the full four hours. I just, um I don't know, 4.20 kicked my ass, man. We got uh, it was three four nights in a row, staying up till 5 in the morning, packing orders. So it's catching up to me, and I'm starting to feel fucking old. I feel old now.
1: No. But, yeah, I can don't roll with you a little late, bit longer.
2: Man.
1: Good. You know, that, I prefer to check in then try to you know keep keep beating the horse for a bad pun. Uh, no no you're good because i'd rather i would rather you leave you know having a good time on the show and be willing to come back at some point you know what i mean uh yeah it it just works out to be better with that i guess with the knowing i've got 15 minutes left i guess we might as well kind of head right into that I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, check out the show or what we what goes on on the channel here, but uh, <clears throat> there's a few few things that happen here on the show or on this channel, other than being what I would love to get you back on another like one on one like this, because uh, I, I I can tell that you're just full of fucking great information there, but. Uh, we, there's two, there's three actually three versions of this show or what goes on this channel. There's the Spotlight, Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle. And then if the guest doesn't go completely to the 420 mark, then I pick things up with what I call, it used to be the rabbit hole, but we kind of changed it long story into that. But now it's the wormhole. And the wormhole is open to basically all past guests. You know, when this is episode 385, that means there's a possibility of 385, combination of any 385 on any given night, which kind of keeps conversation and things somewhat fresh on a nightly basis. But now that you've done the spotlight episode, that's the way to get to the wormhole. hole. So please gotcha. you know, keep that in mind. Uh, the Zoom number is always the same. That invitation is always the same. If you see somebody uh, hanging out on the show or we're talking about a conversation, uh, it goes pretty broad. Sometimes it could can be cannabis, any phase, organics, breeding, lights, la-da-da-da. Sometimes, you know, as stoners, we get off base a little bit. and Conspiracy theories and you know, maybe a little bit of psychedelics, stuff like that, you know. It, it can be pretty deep some nights. It's a lot of fun. But if, you know, you happen to come across the channel and you know and it interests you please join us you know what i yeah. mean it, it, it would be an honor not just for myself but the folks that are in there at the time always like to hang out with some respectable folks too it's always cool to hey you know who i got to smoke and hang out with today a little bit mm-hmm. dark horse fucking genetics bruce banner you know what i mean so you know what i mean you it's always an honor
2: yeah dude I'd be, it'd be a pleasure it, man so. like I say i've seen a few episodes or i've kind of tuned in for a few minutes here and there i've seen you guys on but uh it's an it honor to or get uh, honored to be a guest and um yeah like i say now that i'm in, in into the wormhole then yeah i might have to hang out every now and again man it was cool
1: i appreciate it man we look, we all would look forward to that and uh yeah man it's been a great pleasure to get you on today i hope that uh Dude, that uh, you, much more success uh, I hope 420 just muted myself there kick your ass too much I hope that you have plenty of stock to uh, fill this 21 year full of dark horse genetics you know I hope that the, the urine or the need for a dark horse is strong you know throughout the year and, uh, Yeah, would do say- you have any things coming up that is uh, on the hush hush that uh, you might want to give them a little bit of a hint of uh, something to be coming out sometime soon
2: yeah man we actually haven't done a release i don't think in a whole year which is probably the longest i've ever gone without a release but um i'm working on fem project which i never really officially released like a full on fem project we've done limited fem releases here or there but um, i'm releasing feminized bruce banner we're going to just do banner 3s ones they'll be Banner three to Banner fives. Uh, There'll be like Banner to some of the gelatos and the Skittles. Um, So I think it will be a handful of different stuff. I mean, Scotties are in there. There's just a different, like a whole smorgasbord of shit that I sort of threw feminized Bruce Banner pollen on. And um, we're kind of going through that now. And I think that we're going to release a decent chunk of it as a feminized release. I'm still going to continue to do my regular releases as far as regular seeds. But um, we work a lot in Europe and uh, the Europeans are just like, where the fuck is the feminized shit? And we get knocked off a lot on the feminized stuff. So I'd rather put out a real version so I don't have to continually like let people down and be like, that's not real when they show me these weird Europe packs of like Bruce Banner and stuff. Um, So yeah, that's coming. And I think that the demand will be pretty high on a feminized Bruce Banner 3 release. So I intend to make a large batch of it and remake it and release it a few times. So yeah, that's coming. And that hopefully will be out around June. That's sort of the plan. So um, we're rapidly approaching June and I'm trying to get all the packaging together and everything sorted. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think a big drop coming in June.
0: That should be a nice surge. (laughs) Cause everybody is
1: hungry for fems. You know, I, I'd like to, I'm a, I'm a red guy myself, yeah. but I like to have the option of having some fems laying around just especially <laughs> when I don't have uh, room to spare. You don't always have room to drop, you know, a 10 or whatever, you know, you just want to sneak in one or two or something new into the garden and want to have 100% success of getting that female. So fems are nice to fill that slot. Oh, man, it's so tight. I only got room for three in my count. Three in my count. I need I, three ladies. I That's, definitely
2: like went against what I said I would do, which was never. I was never going to get in the Feminized Seed world when I introduced in 2014 or whatever it was. I was like, yeah, we're not going to do Feminized Seeds. I don't want to do Feminized Seeds. I kind of against Feminized Seeds. Regular Seeds all day. It's where I want to go. But man, the, the market and the demand and the number of emails I get that are like feminized seeds, feminized seeds, I was just like, all right, dude, I'll do it. We'll do it for you guys. We'll put it out. We'll do it. You know what I mean? And although I've, I've come, I want to say turned full 360 or full 180 on my hate of feminized seeds. I've come around. We'll just say that I've come around. I don't know if it's a full 180 there, but I've come around. And um, I've gotten killer shit from Canorado. I think Canorado gear specifically... Got me to look at feminized seeds and be like, okay, um, this this is there's actually some pretty stupid fire shit in here, and um, yeah, I, yeah, I could do this too. So let's put out some stuff like this.
1: They're asking in chat that they'll be dropped uh, direct to your site. Yeah,
2: best. we'll probably do um, the C Bazaar, which is a site that it's a nonprofit co-op that were you part of um it's the seedbizarre.com and um yeah we'll probably we'll probably do it there and then obviously i think we're going to do a worldwide release so it'll go through my guys pure sativa and attitude seed bank and um probably go through neptune maybe even the Oregon elite guys and uh i don't know we'll we'll send it far and wide but um yeah i don't i don't have an official like release date or anything yet so um i'll certainly post about it on my instagram and everything else and i'm sure we'll also speak on it i didn't really mention this too much on a show but we do dark horse live which is a podcast too so every wednesday we do a show you got i don't have the stamina for you dude you go every night it seems like i think you do do every day but you go every night and uh, i give you all the credit in the world dude because once a week i'm fucking like running around being like i need to do a show i need a guest i need to figure out how the fuck to you know what we're going to talk about and what we're going to do and yeah i don't know i have way more respect for podcasters or video show guys or whatever than I did when I started. I thought like, Oh, that'd be easy. You just, you know, every week you talk to one of your friends, right? It's like, well, what happens after you talk to your 12 friends? It's like, then you got to figure out new people and chase new stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I have way more respect for this. It's way harder than it looks. It's hard to be a host. Um, So yeah, it was a challenge for me. And I was just like, I want to put myself in uncomfortable positions as far as you know in in business wise and stuff like that so i was just like all right dude what i'm not what am i not afraid of but what what would you know what what would challenge me what would make me uncomfortable so i was like put me in a fucking camera give me a microphone and let me figure it out well i'm not really necessarily afraid of going on air it's more just like i don't know it was certainly a challenge when i watched dark horse live episode one i'm like holy shit that's terrible when i watched dark horse live episode 50 i'm like least i know what the buttons do it's still a pretty shitty program but I, at least i know what the buttons do i get away with my show because i give shit away i guess other than that it's pretty much a show <laughs> on wednesdays 7 p.m i guess and, and youtube yeah YouTube, and uh, youtube dark horse genetics is our youtube so you guys can check it out on youtube there's 50 or so episodes on there they're only an hour long so i keep them short and sweet um and usually the guest interviews are only like 20 30 minutes but um yeah, I gave you, like I say, all the credit in the world, So Not only do you go every night, bro. You do four hours a night, so uh, props, dude.
1: Mods, I'm hoping you guys are dropping that link in chat. They've been dropping new links for your IG and all that, your website. Oh, right? I appreciate
2: right? it, yeah. I'm chat. not even seeing the chat right now, so shout out to the chat gang, and fuck you to the guy who says I suck. It's all good. <laughs> ah,
1: there hasn't been not one of those. <laughs> no, it's lots. all good.
2: I'll just fuck it around.
1: So, you know, uh, about doing it every night, man. I, I hear you, know, worry about who you're getting on. This, this, uh, two, two things. <laughs> I'll tell you about what I've learned in the fucking doing this every night. One, I have yet to like interview one of my close friends. Close, close, grew up with you. Fucking, yeah, no, nah, not one have been on the show. Not one have been on the show. <laughs> totally skipped that. Two, I like what I agree with you. I love being and I probably perform best being in that uncomfortable zone. So I don't fucking prepare for this at all. You know, as far as questions for you today, zip, zip. In fact, I didn't even load this up until fucking 1128. I didn't even turn (laughs) zoom on. (laughs) You know? It keeps it more genuine, and it keeps it, you know, you know. There's times where I've sit here and stuttered a few nighttime questions, just like, "Oh shit, oh shit." But I think it's it, it, it it's better TV. It makes it more genuine. It's kind of every funny you say that, that. I say it's kind of every funny. Every that, that, because that planned, but the guest never showed up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I get that too. <laughs> we got mad cancellations, and usually it's cancels ten minutes before you're supposed to go on. It's like, uh, really, like what? okay well let me just figure this out i'll wing it wayne's world style or whatever you know what i mean but uh no it's to the to your point about uh, interviewing your friends and everything else it's funny to me i guess talking podcast host to podcast host like the ones that i enjoy the most it's like what well, you might think it's not exposing some dumb drama shit or even the ones where i teach stuff which i do kind of enjoy teaching things or whatever but it's like it's the it's the weird ones, like. I really like talking to Tommy Chong about weird shit about, you know, Motown and when he was coming up and knowing Michael Jackson when he was young and shit. like, I just get into weird shit. And I'm like, Oh, that was really cool for me. Or we had an NFL player on that was just like, talk to me about, you know, who smokes weed in the NFL. And like, Oh, he's like, Oh, we just drink. And he's like, I was a practice player. So we all get drunk at the games and it was all the games were a party. We were all drunk. And I was like, wait, you guys are drunk on the field. And I was just like, those ones where I get way off, we had a hoodoo guy, come on and do some weird fucking voodoo spell for business success and other weird shit. And there was fire and fucking rum spitting. And I was just like, we're so far away from XY chromosome fucking breeding cannabis. But like, these are the ones that I really like, but the, at the same time, you know what I mean? I guess the people show up cause it's a cannabis show. So you got to tie it back to cannabis now and again, but I guess I'd ask you a question in return, like of, of your guests, do you have any favorite guests? And was it specifically weed kind of like, I guess I'm talking about or did was your favorite guest go like way left field?
1: Oh that's the toughie. I've got one episode that I won't even air. It got so uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: I've
1: had I've had a couple of guests where uh we pre pre-showed agreed we were gonna come on just completely tripping balls on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and in the one guest uh, into 11 was the guest Uh, he had he jumped up like I don't know about every half hour, just sweat. He we he, he was hitting hard, he hit hard. <laughs> and fuck, he'd be like, I gotta go like towel my head off and come down for a second. He would come back, I'll kind of refresh. He himself up. One time he threw that thing, he disappeared for like 10 minutes. He come back, he's like i'm sorry man i got lost in the mirror <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah see you bring it's, on multiple zoom guests to get a party going i mean, I had a one at a time for the most part
1: you know <laughs> it's yeah that's that's what the the wormhole is like a free-for-all the wormhole is like the that such of it where anything kind of happens in the wormhole like you said, it could be cannabis, it could be psychedelics, it's, it's whatever in the world. Well, a lot of fun there. It's it, it's easier to keep things controlled or, you know, in a better conversation on the one-on-one, keep things steered somewhat. But, you know, uh, as far as favorite guests, man, too many to call out. Just one is favorite. Uh, Amelia Jensen, the hash Queen, she was pretty amazing. Nice. Some of the stories she told. Indra, uh another favorite, just amazing. Same same type of things. We uh, we talked hash. We talked cannabis. But some of their life stories about you know going through India different countries on foot and walking through the hills with their family you know that shit's priceless man i sit here man fucking just like a fucking little kid watching you know a tv joint all rolled up fucking oh shit you know what i mean it's hard to even cut in at some points man it's been been some good ones you know i've had a lot of great people i haven't had no football players i had uh nagayo I think as far as like like big industry, like uh, like entertainment, the guy, oh, the comedian, uh, he's a comedian. I've had him on. That was a pretty fun episode. But uh, I don't know. Too many in particular to, to call out. It, one is my favorite.
0: And sure. I think that. It's
2: just, it's just, like I say, it's just harder than it looks, man. It's also harder to get the guests and all that. So, uh, yeah, like I say. Uh, more of the power, more power to you for for cruising and going. And uh, you've built a nice audience, dude. Like I said, I've seen what you did,
1: so uh, I give credit to you. Man, I, I greatly appreciate you, and thank you for uh, you coming on and uh, helping me get through another night, man. What <laughs> tonight's been a great night. At one point, man, we've had 120 in consecutive, you know, in chat checking this out. So. Word. Yeah, thank it. you you yeah, obviously brought some folks tonight <laughs> you brought some folks tonight so thank <laughs> you <my laughs> friend. yeah absolutely
2: um i say yeah i think i'm about ready to get out of here probably but uh I'll give you a couple more questions or any more questions chat questions anything else anything you want to do before we get the heck out of here
1: uh ask if he knows jessica the cheesecake lady oh yeah and so explains explains oh. uh uh am I, planning that or planning her on? if he's planning or have, are you planning to have her on i guess
2: and you have her on i guess my show no nah, i don't no nah, not really I, jessica i know the cheesecake lady though cheesecake lady was a lady that used to sell cheese, medicated cheesecakes around red rocks and i grew up in red rocks parking lot that's like my drug college we just we went to Red Rocks every weekend all summer, all through high school, just to sit in the parking lot and see who had drugs and Cheesecake Lady be walking around with a basket full of cheesecake selling like $20 slices of cheesecake with weed in them. And uh, yeah, we all knew her. And uh, she's still around though. Like I say, she's still at the Duncho and stuff and she comes on, she's like very political and everything. But shout out to Cheesecake Lady. I know her, she's my friend.
0: Oh, let's see if we got any more questions in the chat. Oh, Captain 420 was wondering. He knows somebody that had uh, clones in
1: Michigan in 2014, 2015 in the Flint
2: area. Very likely.
1: Coming back to that.
2: It was very likely. Again, I'm not going to say you didn't have it at all. I think it's very likely that you did. And I do think Michigan was probably one of the earliest places that we saw Bruce Banner pop up of all the other states, because it was certainly in Colorado. It was in Montana, because I had made it there and we would left it there, and it was in Colorado. And yeah, I think Montana, or I'm sorry, Michigan was probably like second where it appeared, and then it appeared Cali and Oregon, and
0: I don't know, swept the nation. Trying to backtrack this question here. I can't find this original question. save them. I'm going to save
1: them. Oh, you have any more questions. Make sure I didn't miss any while I was scrolling up. Window Dope was another favorite. Thank you for passing that one out there. So I guess we'll wrap this one up. So one thing I'd like to get from you, hopefully I could get from you, corny thing I do, I don't know if you caught this, is the soundbite, my friend. And that is like the old school, like a rock star when they come on and, hey, I'm on 105.5, you know, (laughs) K-Rock. Basically, that's what I'm looking for is something along the lines. Hey, this is Dark Horse Genetics and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 385. You can add whatever you'd like to it, but this is going to be pretty much the commercial for this this year episode okay tell me I'm when ready
2: you're ready whenever. boss I gave you a couple of versions I'm ready let me look straight in the camera uh, uh, well, what's up everybody this is Dark Horse Genetics and you're watching Talking Shit with Eagle episode 385 uh, watch that shit motherfuckers Give you another one, too. Two for the money, one for the show.
1: All right. Uh,
2: This is Dark Horse Genetics, and uh, you're watching Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 385. Tune in, assholes. I shouldn't call everybody assholes. (laughs) I like
1: like
0: both. I like both. (laughs) So, I might have
2: said "Dark Horse Live" you know, the first time because it's a reaction of me. So maybe I said you have to watch the tapes. I say "Dark Horse Genetics" or "Dark Horse Live." Either way, I could be both. I could be either Genetics. or. Then, uh, hopefully, I said. But Genetics. I'm glad
1: you. I'm glad you brought up the Dark Horse Live because I'm gonna plug that shit for you. Well, cool, to we gotta go. Other ones. We gotta go
2: tit for tat. Yeah, since I came on here, I gotta get you to come on mine. So, uh, yeah, we'll have. We'll definitely have to have you on if you're willing.
1: I am willing. I am willing. Oh, uh, but the hell? there was one other fucking thing I was going to say. Oh, oh, I wanted to mention. Yeah, I snuck the shirt in. On, yeah, I've been debating on all fucking one day on whether or not I was going to slide in the shirt. I didn't
2: even notice it, bro. You got a dark horse shirt on.
1: It's not yours, though. Yeah, it's definitely it's not, not, not me. But what is
2: tattoo? My tattoo
1: guy. Okay. He does all my ink. There is a dark horse
0: there.
2: Nice. I love it. There's like a dark horse Inn up here, dark horse coffee shop. There's dark horse. Everything's around the country. There's dark horse wine and most people liquor stores. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Dark horse nation, dude. I feel some semblance to all of us. Dark horse weed, dark horse tattoo shop, whatever. We're all, we're all dark horses out there. I've always been an underdog kind of guy. I always root for the underdog. So uh, yeah, love dark horses.
1: I, I was waiting to say anything. I debated on whether or not I was going to say anything. Just see how many DMs you got to see it. It's like, hey, do you have a fucking tattoo shop?
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, The first dispensary we had was connected to a tattoo shop, though, so it, it goes perfect.
1: So thanks again for uh, coming on. It's been a great Great conversation, man. You do, and If you get bored, man, you still got time tonight, whatever, man. You could still pop into the wormhole at some point. The invitation starts now
0: <laughs> for that <laughs> yeah, type
1: sir. of fun.
2: You got to finish um, a little seed just, packing and probably hit the sack. But, uh, yeah, maybe uh, one of the next
1: ones, dude. I will try to make it back. But, yeah, you're looking at one exhausted man. Right, I'm sure. Just for note's sake, uh, Monday nights is always guaranteed uh wormhole night that's always monday night is a designated wormhole night so if you ever okay. want to bank on jumping in on one for sure the other nights they may vary so like you know, like if i were to go if we would have went all the way to 420 tonight there wouldn't have been a wormhole you know, I know what you. i mean I so they you. they vary they vary from time and when they pop up but one day monday is for sure a, a wormhole so just if you ever get stuck, or
2: whatever, uh, jump in the DM, man. I'm happy to jump on and fill a hole for you or jump in your wormhole. So if you got the DMs, just hit it up, and I'm I'll come back on. I'll set you up about doing our show. So once again, yeah, I appreciate it.
1: And I appreciate you, man. This has been a great episode. Uh, get pack those seeds, get some rest, and uh, I look forward to talking to you sometime soon.
2: Cool. I'm out of here. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.
1: Have a great night. Thank you guys for hanging out tonight. Uh, You guys know the deal. We're going to fire up the wormhole here in a couple minutes. Those of you that are not going to transfer over to the wormhole, thank you for hanging out for one amazing night with Dark Horse Genetics. I see there's still 102, 102, 103 viewing right now, which Thank you all. Thank you all very much, man. That's pretty much amazing, man. As you can see, my um, neck gave me goosebumps, just to acknowledge that You guys have a great night. If you're not going to transfer over into the wormhole, I greatly respect your time. And you guys know the routine. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I'm a living, breathing example of that.
0: I'm never gonna quit saying. It. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you in the view. I am my here. Peace.